When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 24th episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we're going to go into an in-depth discussion about the dark and mystical Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. Now, as we discuss everything, and I mean everything, here's your one and only... Spoiler Spoiler alert! Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? I will attempt to do so. Gadoon! Spoiler! And now, on to the show. I think if there's a lesson that the first couple of pages teaches us in Kingdom of the Wicked, it is that you cannot trust children with powerful relics. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) These are eight-year-old children. Okay, they're like little witches, you know. It's a stormy night. Twitches, really. (laughs) (laughs) Twitches. Good movie, watch it. It's Halloween. Um, and they're like they're doing their things, you know. Nona's like doing her thing, being dramatic, whatever. And then she tells us about these little amulets, right? It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna give these to eight-year-old children. Okay, mm-hmm. they can never take them off, mm-hmm. and they can never touch, or else chaos will be brought onto the world. The gates of hell will be opened. So, yeah, we're just going to give them to these two <laughs> little eight-year-old girls who literally, like, the night of, the night where they're least supposed to, they take them off! They take them off and they touch them together! <laughs> like, and then, like, a, a, like a, a hound, right, mm-hmm. starts howling. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, no. And then they just, like, never talk about it again. Which... I mean, me as an eight-year-old, right? Rambunctious, likely annoying as heck. Well, Tay's a legend, though. (laughs) I, you could not trust me with a relic that would open the gates of hell. For fun, to be funny, as a child, I would actually probably touch them together (laughs) to be like, Mom, look what I did. I opened the gates (laughs) of hell. (laughs) Just like the curiosity aspect. It's like, kids don't have, like, the depth of knowledge. Yeah. They don't understand the gravity of, of a anything. Situation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The gates of hell is just like the playground at McDonald's for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, as an eight-year-old, you can watch a kid's movie and not understand a single plot line. Yeah. Like, how the freak are they supposed to understand? You can't touch these together or else chaos. <laughs> like, if you're, gonna, if you're going to give them to children, do what Tay said. Put the fear of God yeah. into them. I told Kami before we started recording that if you told me, like, hey, there are these two necklaces, it's destined, you have to give these two necklaces to these two eight-year-old twitches. And that if these necklaces would, were put together, they would literally open the gates of hell. I told Kami, <laughs> <laughs> I would put the, the fear of God in those children. I'd go... 
if you put these two necklaces together, your entire family will die. Your home will be blown apart. Your entire life will explode. Like, I would scare these children <laughs> so deeply so that they would not put the necklaces together. Because it's the only way it works. <laughs> children, don't let me around your kids. This is like <laughs> the lesson of this. But, I mean, when it's kind of like a doomsday of the world kind of thing, and it's in the hands of children... The only way that's going to get to their head is, like, your family's going to die. <laughs> kind of have to traumatize them a little bit. You have to traumatize them. Or if you don't, like what happened in the story, then on one curious evening, they, Amelia and Victoria, 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 put the necklaces together. Idiots. You can't trust children. You don't trust children. Like, let's say, let's say that they have to. Right? Like, that's, they have to. Yeah. Do they have to give it to them when they're children, though? <laughs> like, is there a timeline? Is it, like, when they're born they have to have them? Or can you wait? Yeah. Can we wait until, like, a 16th birthday? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't give it even, to them before Even then. to a 16-year-old, I'd be like, if you touch these necklaces, <laughs> your family will die. <laughs> to be fair, trusting a 16-year-old girl is better than trusting a 16-year-old boy. I don't know. I just, the rule of thumb for me, uh-huh. don't trust any 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, at least girls are, like, forced to mature faster. True. So at least there's that. But I feel like a girl would maybe want to open the gates of hell. <laughs> Fair. Fair. You know what? As a, as a previous 16-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> if you, at 16, gave me the power to open the gates of hell... I would have probably taken it up a, oh, oh my gosh, on I would have test week. For sure I would have opened the I gates of hell. I would have done it on a night I just hadn't, like, if I hadn't slept that night and I had to get up early for school, I'd just be like, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> gates of hell? No, yeah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not 16. <laughs> this is the interesting part, though, about the necklaces. Mm-hmm. The, the cornicello. Cornicello. Is that... If you know Italian, cornicello literally means horn. And the necklaces are the horns of Hades, which is later revealed in the story. So my question is, if in Italian cornicello means horn, and Amelia discovers that the necklaces are the horns of hell, why didn't she put that together sooner? Like, as soon as I heard horns of Hades, I was like, oh, that's their necklaces because it's Cornicello. And she knows Italian. And she she's in Italy. She's Italian. And so her whole life she's just been calling her necklace a horn and yet it doesn't yet compute in her mind when she first hears about the horns of Hades that she does in fact wear a horn herself. She is horny. <laughs> if, you know, yeah, from... And now, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, from a breeder's perspective, if you don't know Italian, then it's like, oh, what? They were the horns of Hades? Revelation. As the main character, she should have pieced that together. Yeah. Now, I understand, like, maybe the necklace is put out of her mind because she wears it all the time, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like as soon as, like, once I heard horns of Hades, I was like, oh. The necklace. Or maybe they just call all amulets cornicellos. Possible. That's true. That could be another thing. So it's like 
Oh, it's just, we call all of them horns. You have a horn, you have a horn. Ross is <laughs> horn dogs. <laughs> that actually could be a possibility. I didn't know if they called all the amulets cornicellos. The only or ones we are referenced, yeah, yeah, is the one that they wear, that the twitches wear. I'm just gonna, yeah, but she should have pieced it together either way. It's like, oh yeah, these two can never touch, ever. And it's only given to you and your twin. Yeah. This is prophesized. But just do what you will with it. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I also just like, why didn't Nona tell them more? That's the, okay. This is, the, yeah. Isn't it better for the person you're giving a prophecy related item to, to know the consequences? Yeah. To like, know like the story behind it and what would happen. Like the actual event because all the time in stories it's kind of a common theme like oh i didn't tell you this to protect you but now because i didn't tell you i have put you in danger but it's like why why couldn't we have like a little nice powerpoint presentation <laughs> about the about these necklaces and be what? able to know the repercussions should we ever put them together let's say yeah isn't it better better <laughs> isn't it better to go into danger with knowledge than without true like you already know they're prophesized for something you already know like something's gonna happen to them so why not give them the no knowledge is power knowledge is power now if it's the reasoning like oh if i burden this person with this knowledge they will not be able to live their lives you know i feel like sometimes that's a motivation but to me, it's not enough of a motivation because I'm like, okay, so you're going to put this one person above the entire dooming of the whole world? Sure. I, I would rather, like you said, live with the knowledge than live with ignorance. Yeah. Because then either way, my life is kind of ruined. I have to deal with the prophecy no matter what. So I, I might, might as, as well have a game plan beforehand. Yeah. That just doesn't make... Honestly... From, like, the beginning, so the beginning just kind of, like, preludes to, like, the amulets and them as children. And then it, like, goes to, like, ten years later when both twins are 18, right? Mm. She's working in her family's restaurant. Yeah, Amelia's just kind of, like, working in her family's restaurant. It's kind of, like, more mundane. We don't really see a lot of magic in anything. Um, and we're just, a lot of, some things are just kind of, like, set up, right? With things, things with, like, Antonio and just, like, her life and everything. It kind of just, like, sets the setting of Italy. Mm-hmm. But then, like, strange things start happening, you know? Like, witches are dying. Vittoria is kind of MIA for most of the time. Yeah. Amelia has a fantasy for priests breaking their vows. <laughs> I low-key get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I can fully explain why a dalliance with the priest is attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't even, like, is it is it specifically, like, with, like, a priest? Mm. Or, like, would it, like, a pastor do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think this is probably the two reasons why people, like, why Amelia entertains the idea. She actually does kind of often. Yeah. Where I'm like, is this going to happen? Are we going to see a vow breaking? <laughs> um, the first reason, I think, is just it's forbidden. I feel oh, like when taboo. something's forbidden, yeah, people want to have to have it. I think the other thing is kind of the idea of having so much influence over a person, romantic influence, that they'd be willing 
to put you above a vow they made. Oh, I thought you were going to say the collars. Oh, <laughs> that would have been, <laughs> would have also worked. I No, I see that though. No, I see that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be, I think it's just like the fact that they're supposed to be chased. Yeah. You know, it's like no sex. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> but yeah, the beginning is a little bit more about the everyday life of Amelia in particular. But we do hear like this, those things like witches are dying. You know, we hear a little thing about shapeshifters, that kind of thing. And then they, this all kind of like builds up to a moment where Victoria is supposed to come to dinner or something like that, right? Yeah, she was, she was supposed to be home. She was supposed to be home. She had been gone for too long that it was now becoming suspicious. Oh, yeah, it was during the festival, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. And then Amelia goes to the monastery. The reason why Amelia has to go to the we figure out about, like, the crush mm-hmm. on the priest and everything is because Amelia makes food for the men of the church. Yes. And she takes it to them, where she meets him, meets... The crush named Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, she's kind of talking like, oh, I imagine so many things with you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's a real fantasy for her, though. It really is. Like, she mentions it <laughs> a lot <laughs> in, like, the first little bit. Um, and then, like, they hear someone, like, coming. And it's like, it's like a spooky voice and everything. And they're like, oh, no, what is it, right? Yeah. And it just turns out to be Victoria, you know being funny slash not slash not because she humiliated her in front of her crush (laughs) but because Amelia got embarrassed yes she kind of like left all of her things at at the monastery and tried to get out as quickly as possible with Victoria and then later she goes back to the monastery to pick up the things she accidentally left behind in haste and she gets an old feeling in the pit of her stomach and it kind of like leads her somewhere she finds a strange man with a knife over the body of a girl. Yes. With, like, candles and crap. Kind of, like, ceremonial. I kind of satanic. <laughs> literally, though. It's literally satanic. <laughs> it's for Satan. <laughs> um, and, like, she's like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Well, she's like, this. it's weird that this guy is here, but he's kind of hot. The way she describes him in the moment, I'm like, is this really the mo? I mean, I, I appreciate the description, but is this really the moment <laughs> to describe a man who is hot? He's literally over the body of a dead girl. True. But sometimes attraction. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just kind of have this like weird little interaction. Mm-hmm. Amelia's like, what are you doing here? It ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> and he says something, you know vague and foreboding and ominous and mysterious and very sexy <laughs> um but in the figure the, the guy's haste he leaves his dagger behind rookie mistake rookie mistake but then she goes and checks to see who the girl is mm-hmm. because she knows that she's dead and then she looks closer and realizes that it's her twin her twin is dead her twin is dead but not only that her heart's missing from her chest yes in which case, she screams and screams and just like, Bleh. Traumatized. Traumatized. I mean, as you would be. Now, there's two things about that scene. One, of course, 
Vittoria's dead, Amelia's distraught. But two, and this was always kind of a detail that I was like, would this happen? As you said, the mysterious figure at that point, who we do not know as Wrath, leaves behind his dagger mm-hmm. at the scene. Now, we later learn that the knife is of value to the princes of hell. Like, significant. If wounded by it, if killed by it, they are sent back to hell. Which is kind of like a big deal. Yeah. And so this knife is obviously very important. Like, a prince of hell would not gladly give one of these knives over to someone. So I always found it a bit strange that even though it is kind of like, ooh, a gotcha moment where Amelia sees Wrath, that Wrath was so kind of reckless in leaving the knife behind. Yeah, because the character that we see later on when we discover that it is Wrath, he's not the type of person to be that careless. He doesn't make easy mistakes. No. He's very methodical and strategic. And so in this moment, I wish perhaps there was maybe like a scuffle or something to make the loss of this dagger a little bit more significant than just, oh no, I'm spooked because someone came in on me when I was drinking blood (laughs) and I left behind this dagger. I think he only licked the blood. Oh, well, there's that at least. Yeah, he just licked it a little bit. (laughs) Still gross, but you know. (laughs) No, I see that though. It's like, it's not a mistake this character would make. It's, It's obviously to further the story. Yes. But it doesn't make sense to the character. It just... Wrath would not so easily lose a dagger. No. Even if they were being, like, chased by something. Or where there was haste or danger. I would understand it more. But the moment itself is relatively... Chill. Yeah. I, I mean, sad, of course. Her, Amelia's sister is dead. Well, I mean, that was beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> but I always found that detail... Strange that the dagger was left behind. Anyways, we can continue on with the murder and the consequences of Victoria being dead. But that was just a tidbit that... No, that makes sense. It does, like, it, it does not make sense. <laughs> <laughs> See, but after Victoria's dead, obviously, like, her family goes into mourning. And then her Nona starts telling her, like, the starts of, like, the danger of the Malvagi or, like, the Wicked, mm-hmm. who we early on learn are the Seven Princes of Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's strange to me, what's, the one thing about the story where I'm like, a lot of time could have been saved if Nona had just told Amelia <laughs> these things. Like, yes, as children, it would have made more sense, right? Yeah. To, to tell... To tell them about the prophecy and all those all those things. She didn't, okay? But now one of the twins of the prophecy is dead. Now might be a good time to give the other twin the full information <laughs> so she doesn't die as well. Yeah. Like, so, like, the, the information that we get from Nona is so spaced out through the book. Mm-hmm. Which, when it should have all been in the beginning. Which... I can understand the spacing because it's kind of like a reveal after reveal, but in doing so, it does beg the question, why not just say it all at once? Isn't it better for the fate of the entire world not, I mean, to give this information out? Also, if she cares for her granddaughter, like, she's already giving some of the information. Why not give all of it? And something that 
was interesting to me too is that one I obviously think Nona should have told the twins about the prophecy but two I felt like Amelia had a pretty lacking knowledge about magic itself yeah magic and demons even though she's a witch I felt like in terms of magic and knowledge that I wanted more of those things in this book because Amelia is a witch, but she does not often use magic in a way that makes magic seem integral. Because it doesn't. Magic in this book doesn't really seem a key part of the story in the sense that it's frequently used. I think we only really see it like used two or three times maybe. By Amelia. By Amelia. And then if the if these demons of hell are so dangerous, why does Amelia not know more about it? Why has she not been told more about them? If I knew of a danger, again, I'm going to strike the fear of God into any person I'm telling. I'm going to go, hey, before you go out and be an idiot, let me tell you, if you get in league with these princes, they're going to suck out your soul, even if it's a lie. I'm going to make you afraid of that thing so that you're never going to interact with it. See, I think... I think part of it is because she doesn't believe that they're real. True. Which I'm like, you're a witch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you're a witch, but a demon seems too out there. <laughs> like, that's, they're literally, like, you can, you hear stories about shapeshifters and you're like, oh, that must be, like, some witch thing. But you hear, like, oh, they're a demon prince of hell and you're like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, not true. Like hell would ever be ruled by princes. Like. That part bugged me. It's just like, where's the line, Amelia? Where's the line of what you will and will not believe? Now, if she was not a supernatural being, sure, don't believe in the princes of hell. But you are a descendant of the first witch, which according to your mythology, the first witch kind of imprisoned Satan himself. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, it is a little strange that she does not think the princes are real. Now, I do understand that over time, like, do we believe... Do most people believe Bigfoot is real? No. So over time, things lose their gravity. Less people believe in things. But when you're a witch, I feel like you should be far more inclined to believe in something mythical and mystical. Oh, 100%. She was very close-minded for a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, maybe part of it is that she doesn't do magic. Maybe. (laughs) I just... But it's also she's she's heard about the Malvagi... Or the wicked since childhood. Yeah. She's been warned against them her entire life. And she trusts her Nona. But I guess the stories that Nona told just weren't enough to convince her of anything. But then once Victoria dies, then Amelia's like, oh, something happened. Something mystical happened. And then she tries to like figure out like who killed her why she died, all those things. And that's kind of, like, what sets the story into place. And that's when she kind of, like, starts believing in them. And I'm like, it it took the the death of your twin to start believing in this? Which, again, I would understand if maybe she wasn't a witch or maybe she's never heard these stories before. But she has. See, she even, like, knows a witch who, like, tried to look into the future or something like that. Yeah, she practiced, like, a dark magic. Yeah. And she, like, got wacky in the head. Mm-hmm. So, like, that can happen. Oh, but no. No demon princes. No demon princes. 
But also when Vittoria dies, that is also, this is kind of the time when Amelia realizes that Vittoria has been keeping a few secrets. More than a few. And that these secrets are, dun dun dun, dangerous. There's even a boy involved. There's even a man. And she didn't know. And she did not know. Well, she opened her diary once and then Victoria was like, nah. <laughs> she locked that crap up. <laughs> so because of these findings, Amelia decides that in order to find Victoria's killer, she's going to summon the help of a demon. That she discovered that she tries to do because she finds under the floorboard all of Victoria's things from like the grimoire and everything. And she leads, she's led to believe, oh, here are instructions to summon a demon. That's what Victoria must have done. So... I'm going to do it, too. Which, that is a very sibling thing to do. <laughs> but also, I mean, your sister ended up dead. True. Like, you would you would think that she would proceed with more caution than she does. <laughs> because she, like, she, she kind of, like, Amelia sets all these things up, right? She goes to, like, a cave and all this nonsense. She gets all the stuff. Mm-hmm. She's, she's like, following, like, all the ingredients in the grimoire. She's like, I have to be very precise with all of this. Because I'm summoning a literal demon. Yeah. And I like, she's, at this point, she still doesn't quite believe in in the wicked. She's like, oh, I'm just going to summon, like, a low-level demon or something like yeah. that. Which I love how that's on her to-do list. <laughs> Grab all the ingredients to summon a low-level demon, get some info on my sister's death, and proceed from there. But the, the scene where she summons the demon bugs the hell out of me. Because... First, she has this list of all the things that she's supposed to do. And she has, she's like, I'm going to be a stickler to the instructions so I don't get anything wrong. Because something, you know, something wrong is bound to happen when summoning a demon. So I have to be really, really careful. Because there's kind of a sense that, like, a miswording or doing something wrong results in catastrophe. Basically. Except, she she brings this little vial of animal blood because the instruction says so. Except she spills it. She, like, drops it and, like, shatters and goes all over the place. And then Victoria's like, hmm, I wonder what else has blood that I can use to summon this demon. That's oh, on hand. That's <laughs> on hand. Because it would be way too much to just go back and get another vial of animal blood, even though I have no time limit for this. True. And so then she just uses, she just decides to use her own blood. Yeah. Like, in what, in, in what universe? is it it smart is it in any way an intellectual decision (laughs) to use your own blood for summoning true like if i was going to summon a demon i would not in any way want myself to be tied to that demon no in any way shape or form and this is again kind of where it felt like amelia was a bit of a novice witch because this is kind of like one of the major ways that she used magic and not gonna lie, she kind of screwed it up. She's like, she was so, she, Amelia was like, yeah, I have to follow it to the letter. And it says, use animal blood, preferred. Oh, but my vial just like shatters. So I'm just gonna use my own, even though I can just go back and get more. Yeah. Or you could maybe even like <laughs> scoop some of the blood off the ground and put it in the circle. I just like, why? There was no reason why she had to use her own blood. I mean... For plot purposes, there was, but much like the instance with Wrath's knife, I just wish there was a bit more of a push for why she had to use her own blood. Like, maybe 
Amelia knew that in order to get information on Vittoria, she needed to summon a higher demon, that higher demons could only be summoned with human blood. Or like something like that where it's a push and it's a necessity for her to use her own blood rather than kind of like a rookie mistake where you drop a vial, which actually I'd probably do because I'm a little clumsy, and then you use your own blood. See, like, I get being clumsy. Yeah. I get that. But she had no time limit. Yeah. There's nothing pressuring her to summon the demon. If she wants to do it correctly, then do it correctly. <laughs> just <laughs> take the time. Don't, don't. She just, it was just very hasty. Very hasty when it was a time that needed to be cautious. I feel like we still could have gotten to the same point in the story with a smarter decision. The thing that, I think the one thing that bugged me the most about the book is the fact that the things that push, like you said, the things that push the plot were questionable. Mm-hmm. Like, it made me question why all the time. <laughs> because the plot could still be pushed with a smart decision in the same way that it was with maybe not as smart of a decision. Again, like, instead of just having it be a clumsy accident that Amelia uses her own blood, that it's an ingredient in the spell book that says she has to use her own blood. Or something like that where you still come to the same point, but you just kind of did it in a smarter way. You do it in a smarter way, and us as the readers don't question the furthering of the plot. Mm-hmm. And it makes us believe in the capability of Amelia a little bit more as a protagonist. Because at this point, I'm like, this girl is using her own blood in a demon summoning circle. She, you know, like, she's taking the actions to figure out what happened to her sister, which I respect. But she's not using the caution required to do so. Like, and I think the author tried to, like, put it off as she's trying to be more like Victoria because, you know, she was always the shy twin. Victoria was always, like, the bold and, like, the one who always did things, you know, the social one. (laughs) (laughs) The extrovert versus the introvert. And I just, I didn't, I didn't like that. Like, I wanted Amelia to be her own. And, like, it's, it's perfectly reasonable for her to have her own trauma and to be mourning her sister and using that as, like, the motivation to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Her being like, oh, well, maybe she does think she has a time constraint because she has to find out what happened to her sister. By this day and time. By this day and time. Or just, like, she feels like she has to because the longer that it takes, the less information she might get. True. Or something like that, you know? So, I just, I don't, I didn't like her motivations. It did not make sense to me. For me, I think... I would have either preferred for Amelia to kind of be her own person in the sense that you were saying, or for it to be like an arc. So maybe after Victoria dies, she decides she needs to be more like Victoria and she tries to be more bold and feisty and extroverted. But then ultimately she learns that the best thing to be is herself and that she likes herself or who she is and that she would prefer to be Amelia rather than Victoria. And maybe it was like a kind of understanding moment for her. But it wasn't enough of that to be any which way. Like, I didn't feel enough of Amelia trying to be like Victoria for me to think she's trying to be like Victoria. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't feel enough like that Amelia was being her own person. Yeah. It was kind of like a weird wishy-washy space. So I, I wish in that sense that it would have been a little bit more distinct. Because I think the motivation of figuring out what happened to her sister was enough. But it was just how she went about it. Yeah. That was a good way of putting it. But 
After using her own blood in the summoning circle. Well, actually. Oh. Actually, before. The one, another thing that bugged me slightly was the fact that she has this mysterious dagger from the, from the mysterious figure. And it seems to kind of, I think, like, at some point she's like, it's, like, different from, like, regular daggers. And as a witch, you would think that she could, like, feel some, like, <laughs> es- like, Amelia has this thing. That she's had since she was eight because of the whole almost touching the amulets thing. Yeah. But she can see, like, a light around a person. An aura. An aura. Um, and typically it's just, like, this purple thing around humans, except with the mysterious figure, it was, like, this black obsidian with gold kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? So you would think with, like, some senses like that, she'd be able to sense, like, oh, this dagger is different. And that she wouldn't use it in her summoning spell. <laughs> or I wish in this instance that maybe... After seeing this mysterious figure who has a really odd aura, that that would maybe cause her to research the dagger. And then something like that. Yeah. And then maybe she's like, oh, I figured out that this dagger belongs to Rath, the Prince of Hell. Therefore, there was a Prince of Hell who may have known what happened to my sister. Then she tries to summon him. Yes. I mean, she, which would work because she has his dagger. Yeah. Then I feel like, again, it would be a little bit more character driven in the progression of events. But that didn't happen. No. The dagger she, she is only... not as much of a mystery as I think it should be. And plus she only uses it because she needs gold. Yeah. And I'm like... Not a real necessity again. No, it's it's, it's not. It's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't appreciate, but then... Oh. Um, but also, even with the aura scene, I wish that came into play in the story a little bit more. Oh, 100%. We see the aura, her being able to see the aura around people twice in the book. And, you know, when it, when this ability comes from doing something bad that could maybe doom the world, I feel like it would need to be a little bit more important. Like, why is this a consequence? Is it a punishment? Why is it an ability you have now? What is it going to help you to do? But I didn't feel like the aura scene necessarily helped her to do anything. Rather than just than just identify, oh, this is a prince of hell. Which I feel like even without her ability, we would figure out pretty quickly. But see, what bugs me about that is that she meets other princes of hell. Mm-hmm. But we don't hear a description of an, any type of aura. Or the aura is just not important because we already know or can assume by the context that it is a prince of hell she's interacting with but why introduce it if it's not going to be used i don't know that's why i wish it was a little bit more of a necessity yeah like maybe she uncovers a prince of hell who was hiding as a mortal or you know like something like that where it makes the ability a little bit more active yes because she got it, again, from putting together the horns of Hades. That's not a good thing. No. Therefore, I feel like you would need to receive a powerful ability out of that. And then she, like, at one point she wonders, if I can do this, what can Victoria do? Yeah. But then that's not really answered. That may be answered in the sequel. Maybe. But in this book, it wasn't. It was not. And I was left unsatisfied. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I was left a priest who was not corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, she does a summoning with her own blood and with a dagger and stuff. And she summons not what she's expecting. 
She summons Wrath, who's like the sexiest principal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Literally the description of him when she one, he's shirtless. Of course he would be. Of course he would be. Um Hey, hell is hot, okay? <laughs> you can't wear a shirt down there. <laughs> um, but when she's serious the description that she has when she's when he's first summoned, I was like, I'm gonna like him. As <laughs> soon yeah, I was like, this man is a man and a demon. <laughs> I I was in for it. He had daddy energy. He, yeah. 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 He had daddy demon energy. Ooh. <laughs> and immediately, well, okay, I guess maybe after a little bit of time, Amelia's like, oh, you're the one who was at the monastery bowing over my dead sister's body. Why? Why were you there? She kind of naturally assumes he killed Victoria, which I feel like is fair. That's fair. I mean, when you're found at a crime scene, <laughs> licking blood off your hands, you're kind of prime suspect. A little bit. Barath goes, no, I was there because I am kind of investigating this as well. Turns out your sister's murder is a part of a bunch of other murders going on in the city where witches who were supposed to be promised as a bride to Satan... Pride. Pride. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, is pride Satan? I I was we'll assuming go, so. We'll, we'll go over it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that everyone who was expected to be a bride has turned up dead. Yes. Like her sister. And he's being really hot while he's explaining all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very important to know. In this scene, what I really liked that Amelia did is that throughout the discussion, it's kind of building up to... If you want my help, witch, we have to enter into a blood bond. Like, there's whole, there's whole thing where, like, if we want to be allies with each other, there's kind of this condition mm-hmm. that we have to be bound in some way. And as a reader, you kind of expect that naturally Amelia will have to accept if she wants answers. But I did like that in the first cave scene, Amelia was like, no. I do not enter into the bond with you, even though you're really hot. You're a demon, and I don't trust you, and I got it from here. <laughs> you know, it was it was unexpected. Yeah, I liked it. it. I was like, oh, I, yeah, I, I thought it was a good character moment because I felt like it was a time where Amelia was taking back some of the power, and kind of my expectations were kind of twisted because I go, oh, she's not entering into the blood bond, and now <laughs> Wrath is stuck in a cave for three days. <laughs> I did like that. It's it's. I mean, in in a typical way, you would expect like, oh yeah, she's just she she's obviously gonna say yes, yeah, right. But she didn't. She didn't. The thing with the cave scene, (laughs) (laughs) there's okay these. It's just these particular scenes that I do not like in the book, (laughs) and they're just for tiny little reasons. Well, not that tiny, but there are reasons. One thing is that one, she's kind of like, oh, you're wicked. Right? Your wrath, Prince of Hell, and that, 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 like, she literally had to see it to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not think you were going to be this hot. <laughs> I did not think you were real. <laughs> um, but, like, they're, they're, their transaction was weird to me. Because Amelia thinks that this is her sister's killer. Yes. When she first sees him. And yet she's describing him in a way that's, like, really attractive, which, I mean, I like just, like, as a reader, just, like, as a... As a as For a, my as imagination. A, as a straight woman, like, yes. Um, 
But it bugged me because I feel like she shouldn't have been that, like, there shouldn't have been as much banter or it shouldn't have been as casual as it was Hmm. because she had, like, it was this buildup of, oh, I have all this motivation because my sister died, was, like, brutally murdered, and I want to find out. Like, I feel like she had all this rage and everything inside of her, and then that was kind of, like, invalidated by by this conversation with Wrath. Because he was hot. Because he was hot. Because... Because, like, they're supposed to be romantic interests. We know that from the get-go. Yeah. Or you suspect, at least. You, you, know, you at least suspect. Enemies to lovers. But there wasn't a lot of enemies for mm. me. There wasn't enough contempt between them for them to actually be enemies. Mm. Yeah. Like, they were, t- like, like, they were almost too, like, th- like, a civil. They were too civil with each other. And it was weird because I think their positions are what made them enemies. Not necessarily anything that was done or said. Which is fine. But, like, in an enemies to lovers, like, I want to see them not like each other at all. Yeah. And then, like, kind of grow to friends. Mm-hmm. And then, like, al- no, allies. Then, then friends. friends. <laughs> and then just kind of, like, the, the, the kind of, like, tension building of, oh, what, is there something more? You yeah. Know? Like, you like the build. That's why enemies to lovers works. Yeah. It's because it's going from such a harsh emotion of hate to an equally passionate lo- and passionate emotion of love. And we see that entire journey. Mm-hmm. But it kind of, it's kind of like they, they started at like allies to friends. Yeah. They didn't start at enemies. There wasn't enough hate, which sounds bad, but like you said, I think contempt was the perfect word for it, where there wasn't enough division between them. Like you said, in, in Amelia's description of Wrath, if she truly believed Wrath was the killer of her sister, you would not be like, yeah, this guy is hot. You'd yeah, be she... like, this guy's an animal. He uses his tallness, his intimidating form to be a monster in the night, to kill people, to, you know, to kind of, like, turn him into a murderer in her, his eyes. In her eyes, sorry. Because in her eyes right now, he's just a hot man. She's basically just flirting with him. Yeah. But flirting in a weird way. Like, threatening flirting, but not threatening enough to be enemies to lovers. Right? So, like, we love threatening flirting. We okay. love... <laughs> <laughs> threatening flirting <laughs> is a go. Like, with enemies to lovers, yes. Yes. Right? But you there's you have to reach that point. Right? Yes. Or, like, even if you have, like... I feel like there wasn't enough, even in their positions, to be enemies. Yeah, like, are witches a natural enemy to prince of his, princes of hell? Yeah, because I can, I can see being, like, bantering and flirting, threatening flirting with enemies to lovers if it's, like, one side against the other. Yeah. But I didn't really get that feeling because it's, like, witches and demons, which kind of, like, coincide with each other. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, we're told that, like, they're enemies, it's not really, like, enforced. Well, and it could just be because Amelia does not often use her power. That too. Or, like, maybe we haven't heard mention of a witch battling a demon. Or and also, she just doesn't believe in them. True. She doesn't believe in the wicked. She doesn't believe that wrath exists. Yeah. And so then, for her, it just... If she maybe had believed that they had existed, and she's like, she was like, these are the natural enemies, like, we can never have them be on this earth or anything like that. We I can never trust them. We can never work kind of, with them. Yeah, just, like, to have that, that foundation, that would have been a better thing for enemies to lovers. Yes. But, like, I just, I didn't get that. Yeah. As attractive as Wrath is, I just, <laughs> I didn't get it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Because one of the great things, too, about enemies to lovers is kind of, like, the leveraging. You know, Mm. I want this, you want that, so what would we both be willing to give up to do it? Which was kind of, in essence, the blood bond. Yes. But it just wasn't, like, enough of a negotiation. No. And I... I would have loved to see that scene, you know, to have, like, this foundation of content and to have the meat and to say, like, oh, I'm not your sister's killer. To have, like, that, like, oh, so who did, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of have one of those moments and then having to be like, oh, but I can help you find him because it serves my purposes as well. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see that build up and for her to say no. Yeah. Oh! That, that would have been amazing. Yeah. But Which, it, it had the foundations. It had the potential. I just needed, I needed it driven there. Yes. I felt like it was my own desires for Wrath kind of pushing that. Oh, 100%. When story-wise, there wasn't enough of that there. And we're also in a cave. A cave is a really sexy place. It's secluded. (laughs) It's secluded. There's nothing but you and some firelight and some bats. I'm just, that's one, that's just my feelings. On what enemies to lovers should be and why I think it didn't quite fit that. Mm. Now, in later scenes involving the cave, since we're kind of on the topic of the cave, I think Amelia and Rath talk in the cave, like, um, in three different instances. Yes. And kind of with the same thread, I wish there was more enemies to lovers. Rath is really forthcoming with information. So after the first cave scene, Amelia's like, no, I'm not going to enter the blood bond with you. And it's like, ooh, ah, you know, power moment. Then she comes back and she's like, I want some information. And he's at first like, well, I don't want to give you information. You're not going to enter into a blood bond with me. So why would I? There's no motivation. I get nothing from it while you benefit. And then instead of kind of pushing that a little bit more where it has to kind of be like a barter and a trade, Rath's just like, you know what? This is what this and this means. That's what that and that means. And now you can go. And then Amelia does. And he's like, you're not really going to enter into the blood bond? She's like, well, no. Because I have what I want. I got my information. No, see, that's what Amelia does. She's like, I might consider going into a blood bond if you tell me. And then she doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, as a demon of hell, (laughs) isn't that your thing? (laughs) To say something, lie, just to get, and lie to get what you want? I feel like... Nona's and Rath's positions were switched because we should have gotten more information from Nona. Yeah. And we shouldn't have gotten as much information from Rath. Yeah. I feel like the mystery could have come from him not wanting to tell her Mm -hmm. because it wouldn't serve his purposes and that would make sense because he's a demon of hell. Yeah. But he was tricked in a way that wasn't difficult to be tricked. Like even me, I am not a demon. To most. (laughs) (laughs) To some. But if you were like, hey, I'll enter into this blood bond with you for information, I'd go, okay, let's enter the blood bond first, and then I'll maybe tell you what I know. Yeah. Because I'm a jerk like that, (laughs) apparently. You know, I would not, like, as a demon, it's it's his nature to be smarter than that, to be the crafter of deals, to be, you know, that's what demons kind of typically, stereotypically are. And that's what the wicked are meant, or like, in what we know about them at that point. 
that's what they're made up to be. Mm-hmm. And Rap is, you know, isn't he kind of like the war general of hell? Wasn't that kind of mentioned? I think so. That he he's military in some way. Like military-esque. Either in duty or just in nature. I think just like strategically, right? And so... Because of that, I feel like it'd be even harder to trick him. Wrath should be one of the hardest princes to trick. I feel like envy would be easy to trick. Greed would be easy to trick. Because those are kind of easy emotions to trick. Wrath is a hard emotion because wrath and anger typically isn't wrath and anger. It's usually rooted in something else. Like sadness. Or, or, you know, unrequited love. Or like, so wrath should be the hardest person to pinpoint to me. Like, mm-hmm. it, just in terms of, like, the word wrath. Or even, even just to get information out of him when he is angry. Yeah. Right? Yes. To see, to see the wrath, right? Because with greed, like, you can be like, oh, well, you want this. Because, you know, greed, they want everything. Yeah. With envy, just make them jealous. But with wrath, like, if he, like, if she had gotten him angry and then he spilled the information, that would make sense because he's wrath and that, like, that's his sin. Mm-hmm. Like, and it show why he's that sin. I felt like in this story, we were never really told and or shown why wrath is wrath. I think we're only shown like one time where he kind of loses it. Which, with wrath, I either, I either want to see if he's like a simmering wrath, where he's hard to provoke, but he's kind of always angry. Or if he is kind of like an outburst anger person. Like, I just wanted to know because by the end of the story, I didn't. I didn't know how he was angry, or why he was angry, or, or why he was wrath. <laughs> yeah, why Why is he wrath? And so to have, it would have been so good in that sense to see maybe Amelia push him into giving her information, like you said, by making him angry. Because then I mean, we could see what that anger is like. Does he have control of it? Does he not? Is it? Is his anger dangerous? Is it not? I mean, he's wrath. Like well, He's like me. the Hulk of <laughs> demons. <laughs> True. <laughs> what bugged me is that we, we meet three of the other brothers. Mm-hmm. Three of the other princes of hell. We meet Emmy, Greed, and Lust. Later on in the story, obviously. But whenever we meet them, like, their sin makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Right? It kind of like... Lost, I was like, shit! <laughs> <laughs> this is Bachelor in Paradise, <laughs> Serious, But, like, it made sense. Yeah. Right? Like, you immediately got the feeling this person is the origins of lust yes even envy i'm like oh this guy's a little slime ball who just wants what you have wants to be more than what he is greed greed totally made sense but with wrath it just it it, he didn't encompass his sin yes which if you're gonna assign a sin to someone they kind of have to encompass it he made me feel sinful even though he himself was not quite his sin damn (laughs) summon me tonight and we'll see what happens <laughs> oh but speaking of the other demon princes just because mm-hmm. we're kind of on that topic what did you think about envy greed and lust <sighs> oh no <laughs> a long sigh <laughs> exasperation the thing the thing with the the other princes of hell I liked their characters you know, I like, I like the idea of assigning someone a sin and just, like, having, like, them have each different personality. Like, that's a very satisfying thing. Except they didn't 
play much of a part to the story. Like Envy kinda did. He was the actually he's actually the only brother who did. Because he was like the main villain at the end. Basically. But greed was just kind of there to be there. And so was lust. Like Greed had a, a bit of more of a part in the story because, you know, he had Vittoria's cornicello. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like it didn't make sense of why he was there. Because according to Amelia, it shouldn't be possible for so many princes of hell princes of hell to be there, but they were. Yeah. And, and they were like, chilling. And they were just chilling. It's like, oh yeah, princes of hell were to walk the earth and like we would know. Except there were four. That's literally more than half. And, and you didn't know. And you didn't know. One of them was running a casino. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. Just the way that they, they were built up and just like the result of actually meeting them. I was like, things don't quite add up. And I I, can't, I wish they had more of a part in the story. At least, especially for Lost. <laughs> Out of all of them. <laughs> but it literally, he was literally just there to be there. I think he was there to push Wrath and Amelia together. Because Wrath had a... Okay, but that doesn't make... It didn't make sense to the plot. Mm. It absolutely did not make sense to the plot. He just kind of shows up. She's like, oh, lusty. You know? Kind <laughs> hey. of like dancing low-key. Kind of want to try it. <laughs> I kind of... Like, being under his influence, I was like, that sounds like a party. <laughs> But then, like, he comes out of it and, like, Wrath is, like, very protective of her. And, you're like, it's, it's, it's okay for the romantic <laughs> subplot. But it literally made no sense to the actual plot. Literally, it kind of, like, took me out of the story mm. for a second. And they kind of put me back in in a weird way. Yeah, I had really similar feelings. Um, I mean, I loved, like you said, just the concept of the princes themselves. I mean, the seven sins, I feel like are kind of like a forbidden idea. So mm-hmm. to see those personified, I thought was really cool. And I like how you can kind of pledge yourself to different houses. You know, house yeah. of lust. How, <laughs> I'm like, house of lust! What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, but from the very beginning of the story, we are told, do not trust these demon princes. Demon princes, like you said, if they are on this earth, it would be terrible, but we would likely know. But they didn't. By their reputations, these demon princes should just be so intimidating, so integral, so, like, when they're on the page, I'm going, oh, crap, many bad things could happen from this. But I didn't get enough of that sense. There wasn't enough danger surrounding the princes because everything, all the interactions that Amelia has with them are relatively safe. There's no cost. There's no true consequence. Because they were introduced at such a rapidity that they just didn't seem important. Because in this book alone, we meet five. Is that right? Wrath, we lust, greed. Four and a fourth. Four. <laughs> <laughs> we meet four and a fourth. And in their own scenes, it just it just didn't se- the princes themselves didn't seem important enough. I felt like I could kind of replace their character with, like, a normal person, even a normal demon, and that the scene wouldn't feel any less or more. Like, again, Amelia tricks Greed 
Is he giving her information? Yeah. Which, I mean, part of part of I was like, oh, that's smart. You know, yeah. The way did, she did it was smart. The way she did it was smart, but I was also like, hello, Demon Prince of Hell. <laughs> this, this is the second time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's genetic. I, but it's like, like, they weren't intimidating enough. Yeah. Or, I, I, or at least, I wish that Lust had more of a part in the actual plot. Because his was the only influence that, like, actually had a consequence. Yeah. And so maybe that could have been, like, a driving point and they are really dangerous mm-hmm. because of this particular instance. Yeah. You know? He, he could have... It's almost like it would have been a great moment to be, like, they have all this power, but they choose not to use it. Yeah. Or they're crafty in the way that they use it. So maybe while Amelia's tricking Greed, Greed is tricking her and bringing out her her wants. Or I think the main thing with the princes is that they just didn't feel dangerous. Whenever they were in a scene, I wasn't fearful for Amelia or for what they could be as an obstacle to her. And also, they didn't feel like enough of an obstacle. Yeah. It feels like confronting a demon prince should be kind of like a... a a problem that requires a solution. They didn't even feel like a problem. It was more of a problem when Amelia went to go to that serpent monster. Yeah. That was like guarding Amelia's cornicello and she tried to go steal it. Yeah. Like that moment you were like, oh, this is scary. Oh, like how is she going to get out of this? Use magic. <laughs> <laughs> Which, why would Greed even tell her about the serpent demon? Again, demon princes just love giving information. I mean, because if, again, if I was green and I had this cornicello that opens the gates of hell, yeah, <laughs> and someone's like, "Hey, I want this. I don't know. It's powerful." I would never, ever say where I hid it, what I did with it, <laughs> where I put it, or maybe, or maybe it could have been a he green could have had a more more of a part in the story if he wanted the gates of hell to be opened. Yeah, and that's why he told her. And he needed her to get the necklace for him or mm-hmm. something like that. But because it's just like... Because it said that demons can't interfere yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But instead he's like, oh, you want to know where the necklace is? Well, I can't tell you. It's underneath the church guarded by a snake <laughs> demon. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. Which, as I was reading the story, I'm like, am I really... <laughs> do I not freely give information? Like, am I the only one thinking like this? Like, am I a bad person for thinking to not give out information? I just thought that, that within context of the story, that there was a lot of secrets that were supposed to be secrets. Like, I would have even preferred if she, like, almost snuck up on him using magic and overhearing this. Yeah. Or some, something along those yeah. lines. Where it's a little bit more, because I did like the way that Amelia tricked Greed. Mm-hmm. I wanted more of that. Yes. Yeah. I wanted, I, okay, I think a part of what I wanted more in this book was the way she got information. Because she also, she almost always got her information directly. Yeah. And I wish she would have, like, figured it out or, like, overheard. Just, like, different things. Mm-hmm. Because it's very often supplied to mm-hmm. her. She needs to work for it a yes. little bit more. Because it makes receiving the information a lot more gratifying when the character has to kind of labor for it. And I mean, okay. I guess with Envy's introduction, didn't she also just like almost like slit her throat? Yeah. He did influence her. Which I mean was kind of like, it was kind of scary. 
Yeah. But I mean, she almost died. <laughs> but it, like, I didn't feel intimidated. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, she's just under an influence. It'll be over in a little bit. It, it, was. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't an issue. Like there wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna. D-. Or it could have been like, hey, demon prince of hell has an influence over me. I almost just died. Maybe I should go into a blood bond. Like, where where was that motivation? Yeah, or like, to? I either need to go into a blood bond, or I need to find a way to ward myself against the influences of a demon prince. But there was none of that, and so that just kind of invalidated the the the, the power, the, the presence. Yeah, because it would have been even like climactic, scary, terrifying. If at the end, if envy to Amelia, like they thought, they think they kind of have him in the bag or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he influences her to almost slit her throat. And then that would be a moment where it's like, holy crap, these guys are powerful. Envy, who we kind of underestimated, can actually almost make Amelia kill herself. Yeah. And she is doing it herself. You know, that would have just been a little bit more foreboding. But the, the introduction of Envy was just super casual. That for him to exert such power then and then to never do it again. Like, in... When we first meet Envy, we know that's what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. He could make Amelia almost kill herself. So anything after that, I feel like, needs to be above that in terms of danger and threat. Yeah. But I felt like from that point, he kind of got less dangerous and threatening. Mm-hmm. Was Pride the devil? I <laughs> No, actually, okay. that, in my notes, that was a question because I wasn't sure if I was missing something. No, because they say, like, pride. They basically say pride is the devil. Yeah. But I'm like... So he's one of the seven princes? He, but wouldn't he be Satan the king? be, like, the king? Yeah. yeah. But I also thought that, like, maybe they were alluding to, like, maybe pride is, like, the main person of hell, but, like, all of the brothers together are the devil. Oh. I... Th- maybe... I could just be making things up. Because I just, because there were references to both the devil and to pride. Yes. And at first I thought they were two different people. Yes. But then it's like, no, these brides are being married to pride. The devil. And I'm like, so are they one and the same? Or is pride like an underling for the devil? Or does the devil, like Satan, not really exist in this book? And that the closest thing we have to the devil or Satan is pride. Or, like, is it their father? Oh, she has to marry an older man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess they're all older. (laughs) Or, like, no, yeah, that that didn't make sense to me. I just wasn't sure. It was confusing. It was like, is pride the devil? Is he not? Also, why would pride be the devil? I feel like wrath would be the devil. Oh, no, I feel like pride would be the devil. Really? Yeah, I I felt that really fit. fit. I didn't. Because the devil to me (laughs) is... Oh, no, wait, no, that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense because he he fell fell from from heaven heaven because he was too prideful. Yeah. I I got it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was one point that I wasn't exactly sure on. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's clarified in the sequel because maybe in the sequel we get to know the devil slash pride more. In this book, I just wasn't entirely sure. I, I, am assuming yes. Like, I'm 65% sure. That's not a lot. (laughs) But I would love to be in the 70s at least. (laughs) Like, 
especially because, you know, Wrath is, is trying to procure a wife for Pride. Yeah. And that's, like, his whole motivation. Or so we think. I mean, he might have more. Dun, dun, dun. We don't know. Part of the reason why I might read the sequel. <laughs> um... But then he, like, he, ref- like, it's mostly, I think, Wrath who refers to Pride as Pride or the devil. Yeah. Well, because Wrath is kind of the only person who really talks about Pride yeah. or the devil. Yeah. I Clarification, also, please. Does, is Pride above the others in terms of hierarchy? Because it seems like oh. Pride is regarded with more caution. Or respect. Yeah. Mm. Like, don't mess with pride, mess with greed. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a little bitch. <laughs> no, I see. No, yeah. Like, is Wrath considered, like, higher on the hierarchy? Is I felt like Wrath was. I felt like Envy was the bottom of the hierarchy. Really? I feel like that would be Sloth, personally. Well, of who we met. Okay, okay, okay. Of the characters we met, I felt like Envy was at the bottom, which is why... He he was kind of underestimated to be the villain because it's like oh no envy couldn't do that mm-hmm. so I felt like it was envy greed and then I felt like envy and greed kind of feared wrath okay because I like they were that, worried though. I do like that yeah Hot. yeah because they were kind of worried when interacting with him and then for wrath to kind of do an errand for pride I feel like puts wrath under pride oh yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That's kind of like a natural hierarchy right there. But I wasn't sure. That was just kind of the sense I got. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, ooh, if Wrath is strategic and cunning and da-da-da, then what is pride like? And do I want to marry him? Would I be <laughs> welcomed to the idea of being his bride? What? I mean, low-key. M- maybe mid-key? <laughs> <laughs> being the queen of hell? <laughs> Kind of down. <laughs> like, you would obviously be treated right. Yeah. They have standards. Yeah. The Princess of Hell standards, which we learn. <laughs> okay. They're obviously attractive. <laughs> yeah. They're hot because they're they hot. came from a hot place. I mean, they're princes, they're royalty, so you know you're going to have, like, a really lush house, like, a good bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to have a comfy mattress. <laughs> also, you're going to be the queen of hell. Like... Which... I respect. You can have demons under your... Like, there's, like, <laughs> no downside to this. It's me, your queen. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, no downside. Like, well, you're in hell. But, but like, you're, you're not, not being punished. You're not being punished. Like, it's not like, oh, you were so bad in life that you're condemned to be the queen of hell. It's like, hey, if you want to, be the queen of hell. <laughs> I mean, will you... Maybe bring the destruction of the human race. Maybe. <laughs> but is that so bad? Is it? Is it? I mean, it, it might be, like, a point of hesitation. But I mean, like, <laughs> queen of hell, come on. I think the question is, if, like, do you get a sin named after you if you're the queen of hell? Like, for you, it's sassy. They're like, pride and sassy. Power couple of the year. <laughs> See, sassy doesn't have that punch, you know? Like, no, I feel just, like yeah. all of them have, like, a punch, like, gluttony. <laughs> Mine would just be tall. <laughs> Mine would be defiant. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. It only That's happens hot. sometimes. <laughs>
when Amelia first summons Wrath okay. into her summoning circle, mm-hmm. they both get a mark on their arm. Yes. And over the course of the story, that mark continues to flourish and grow. Yes. At times, it even kind of serves as, like, a warning. Mm-hmm. Like, danger is near. Don't be dumb. Right? Yeah. Why? But why? That was my question. Like, was the mark... Oh, no, I got it. I got it. I know why. Okay, because so, with the mark, the mark wasn't the blood bond. No, she didn't go into a blood bond with wrath. The mark was a symbol that she had accidentally enacted a marriage bond between her and wrath. Accidentally, yes. Therefore, okay, so the mark is the marriage bond. Mm-hmm. So, by it growing, does that mean that their affections were growing? Because it morphed over oh. time. Oh. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. did it mean that they were becoming more tightly wound? Could Wrath sense if she was in danger? Could she ever sense if Wrath was in danger? There was. I don't think there was enough said about the mark. Because I wasn't exactly sure. And at the end of the story, is she released from the mark with Wrath? Or does she still have We don't it? know. Okay. It was no... That's actually part of one of the things I wanted to talk about at oh, the okay. end. Was like, what about the mark? Yeah. Because she's going to marry Pride. But she's already betrothed. But she's already betrothed. To Wrath, so... Which, what? okay, I like the idea of... A betrothal between Amelia and Wrath. I, I, I like that. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, and I understand spells are tricky, Mm -hmm. but again, it's just another thing that kind of makes Amelia seem like not a very practiced witch. That she accidentally (laughs) got betrothed to a piece of power. Yeah. (laughs) Um, in this instance, I can sort of see why she would make a mistake like that even if she was a practice witch simply yeah. because even if they, they they know the Mawagi or the Wicked are you know dangerous creatures they don't know a lot about them true so maybe in like the summoning of the creature she doesn't know that using the word eternally would be the thing that would a proposal <laughs> so like I can see I can see why that would be an accident and mm. I can see that yes that that could happen I mean, it's not an, it's not as big of an accident as some of the other things that we've discussed. Like, yes. it doesn't bug me as much. Mm-hmm. It's not on my mind as much. But I just wondered about the mark as a whole. Yeah, because it's mentioned quite a few times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, like you said, it's growing and everything. So it's like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So we're not really given a lot of information. But when Rock is kind of like... Sent back to hell. Yeah. <laughs> By envy, you know, <laughs> very gruesome way. Yeah. Um, like, what happens to, the, like, I was actually wondering while I was reading, like, what's happening to Mark? Like, did it change at all? Mm-hmm. Because I was kind of like, that, that's her bond to wrath. So, like, yeah. what happened? Would that alter or when she accepts the proposal from Pride, does that change anything? Change anything. It wasn't mentioned, so I wasn't sure. And I wasn't sure exactly if the Mark was the marriage bond, so I thought I would just ask. And I'm assuming it is because she didn't go into a blood bond, so it doesn't yeah. make sense if it was anything else. Like, even with the summoning, 
Like, I mean, Victoria had a summoning, but she didn't have a mark True. that we knew of. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're, I'm assuming it's the marriage bond. Which, you know how everyone's like, well, what's your proposal story? <laughs> Instead of using animal blood, I accidentally used my blood and I accidentally <laughs> bound myself to a demon principal. <laughs> Just by accident, though. I love, though, how... Okay, also, too, when Amelia and Raph get into the marriage bond, Amelia doesn't know it's a marriage bond. Raph does. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately mentioned, I believe, by Raph or someone else, I'm not entirely sure, that Amelia is a night witch. Is that a special classification of witch, or is that just what witches as a whole are? She's a night witch? I thought she was a star witch. Oh, it may have been star. Sorry. It was something witch. Like, when I read it- Shadow witch! Oh, shadow witch. That was it. It seems like a different classification, like- Of which, other than, like, what we know. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if Amelia was kind of, like, a higher witch, or if she wasn't. Because I felt like it wasn't explored enough for me to definitively say yes or no. Part of that, too, I think, was- is there different classifications? Because from what we know, from when Nona was talking to Amelia before she got her cornicella stolen, she was talking to her about star witches, which apparently are, are different from just regular witches. From for, that's what I got from the description. Mm-hmm. And then we're introduced to shadow witch, which are different than star witches apparently. But we're not we're not given enough information to fully see the difference. In classifications, if there are. Yeah. I wasn't sure if these were just general terms to describe all witches. Or if, like, because Amelia sees auras. Because she sees auras, does that mean she's a shadow witch? Therefore, she's different and set apart from everyone else? But she got the aura after she did the whole thing with the gates of hell. True. No, yeah, it's confu- it's a, that 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 part's confusing. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure, so I just was wondering if both with the marriage mark and with the shadow witch, if I maybe missed a piece of information. I'm just as confused as you are, so maybe not. <laughs> but see, well, like with the mark, like I I see what you're saying because when Amelia goes to get Victoria's cornicello from the viper, um, she wakes him up. From her sleep spell after she grabs it and he you know she has like a fight with it and everything except she gets bitten yeah and she has the poison and then she kind of like goes out of it and she's like, she's like feeling so much pain she doesn't know what's happening and from like her from what we can assume like what's happening to her wrath comes and saves her yes but like how did he know to save her how did he know and what did he do after that because after she's bitten by that demon he takes her to a glorified bathtub mm-hmm. and they get naked in it <laughs> <laughs> and he heals her yes with some type of magic bond something was it because of the marriage bond that he was able to do that and in if when he did that did that cement their marriage because oh, when like he the fornication kind of thing yeah like um... a magical consummation but there was no penetration well, I more so mean, like, it seemed like such a big deal for Wrath to do that. Like, it seemed that healing did something. I wasn't sure if it was, like, him accepting her proposal and so now they were married. 
I didn't well, he know also what it kissed was. her. He also kissed her. Because I was part of the spell to save her. So, again, like, what what was that spell? Was that spell cementing? Was that spell... What did that spell do? Because afterwards we meet Anir briefly. And Anir is like, you did the spell on her? You know, something, something marriage bond. Like, it seems like that spell did something concerning the marriage bond. Mm. But it didn't seem to be touched on more than that. So it wasn't an implication. Yeah. Now, it, this might be something that's explored in the sequel. Maybe. But it it was mentioned quite a lot in this book. And there was that really big pivotal scene in their relationship mm-hmm. where Wrath kissed and healed her. Which, why would he have? Why would he? And was that the next step in the marriage bond? Mm. I don't think it, like, fully says because Rathis doesn't want to give that information to her. Of all information to not <laughs> give to her. I'm assuming it does have significance because there was a whole thing where, like, he licked her neck in the shape of an S or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, this all seems, like, how is she so okay with that level of intimacy with this person? Like, I, that... Sorry. I'll also, get to that in a second. It, it's kind of hard to look in an S. <laughs> maybe he just has a really flexible tongue. Like, isn't that kind of difficult? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. But it's it, it's assumed that he, like, he paid a price. A portion of his power went to her in order to save her from that. But if that is true, she's never used that power. Or at least from what I understand. Well, I think it was more just, like, a power just to revive her. Oh. Like, she doesn't Not like she power. stole some of his power? I don't think so. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, but also, like, she also just had, this, like, this flood of memories and everything. So I'm assuming that, like, those are Wrath's memories, you mm. know? So we see some... We see a little bit of that. So I feel like it's all implied, but the implication is, like, so vague that we're not sure. I wouldn't mind not knowing if it was more toward the end of the book. But this magical spell takes place kind of like two-thirds of the way in. Maybe even less than that. Halfway. Halfway. And so it's a question to go without. It's a question that that does not have an answer for a really long time if that answer is in the sequel. So it just feels weird to be mentioned now in the middle of the book. With no end, completion, answer, knowledge at the end. Yeah. It's almost as if we're led... It's kind of... It, it kind of seems like a lead up to the marriage bond, which is kind of why we might think, oh, is this like cementing it, like we said before. But there's so much space in between and it's not mentioned enough that we make that connection. Yeah. Also, again, does this inhibit Pride's proposal? She's a married woman. <laughs> An accidentally just, married woman. I just, just, but in that scene, like, I understand. It's an ancient ritual. There had to be flesh-to-flesh contact with water as a conductor, which I, I guess sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But also, like... <laughs> they could do it in a hot tub. <laughs> I just... True. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, it's just, I... That's very intimate. It is intimate. It's like, like especially in the way it's described in this, like these two particular lines. I'm like, it's <laughs> it's quite a hot scene. <laughs> and I'm like the, the whole thing with like the tongue on the neck and like the fact that he like just all the things. She's just like chill with it. 
And she's just like, okay. okay. I'd be like, so, uh, are we boyfriend, girlfriend? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, yes, she's a witch, but this is what I'm assuming to be placed in like the late 1800s in Italy. Yeah. Where women kind of weren't as free in their sexuality. Be, yeah. I'm assuming. To be physically comfortable with that. So the fact that she was, I'm just kind of, like, I feel like that's part of the reason why I thought it was, like, more in contemporary times. Or, like, why I was confused with, like, the time, like, where it was set. It was a little, the time period was a little muddled to me. Because you're right in that, because I, I thought it was probably 1800s in Italy as well. You would not be able to touch. You would be quite pious. 100%. As a woman during that time, you would have likely been taught to be that. Just like the her actions didn't reflect the time. And the only reason why I would think 1800s Italy is because it said Kingdom of Italy at one point and True. I had to look it up and see like when was king when was Italy a kingdom? Yeah, when was it considered? So I mean, there's that. But just like she's still too casual with him. I wish it maybe would have happened a little further along in their relationship. Yeah. Because it still feels so new. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have enough of a relationship, whatever that relationship is. If it's an ally-ship, like being allies, if it's being friends, whatever it is, it's too soon. Like, they, like still, it's intimate. It's Sorry. Very, she still hasn't gone to a blood bond with him. She left him in a cave. For three days. <laughs> for three days. She's like, okay, like, he's gonna get out, you know? Like, I can't keep him there anymore and everything. She knows that. But that's all that we get. Yeah. Like, there's no foundation for why this would be, like, flustering other than the fact that he's attractive. True. So, yeah, yeah. I wish it it, it had happened later. Yeah. You know? Just be like, oh, what? No. Well, then it's I felt like it would have maybe been a little bit more pivotal for the relationship. Yeah. Because after this, it's the super intimate moment, and then it kind of feels like they kind of pulled back from that intimacy. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what it was before, where I felt it should have instead deepened. Yeah. Okay. On page 146, Nona's throat is slit. Now, according to movies and just my basic knowledge of (laughs) of life... (laughs) I know where you're going with this. When your throat is slit, aren't you dead? Like, how do you recover from that? Like, it, it's like, your gullet. Well, I feel like, I, I don't think it's necessarily just, like, your throat that's the issue. I think it's your jugular that's the issue. Yeah. Because if that's cut, then, like, blood, like, spurts out and then you, like, die of blood loss. Yeah. So if that's cut, you're dead. But Nona's throat is slit and she survives. And in my notes, I was like... Isn't she dead? <laughs> Your throat is slit. In movies, it's always like someone throws it and they're like... And then they bleed out in like 10 seconds. Jugular. But Nona got slit by a demon. It's not even like a human. By a demon. And she lives to tell the tale. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, for like first... Because like, there was like this ghost shadow thing, you know, that's been kind of like trailing Amelia. And like she hears the voice and it's like, ooh, what is it? Which I was like, okay, but nice touch. Yeah, like a threat. Yeah. And then she, like, kind of, like, hears it again. Yeah. Right? This ghost appearance thing. 
And she's in her family's restaurant. She's yes. talking to Nona, and she took off her necklace, the cornicello. Which I'm like, according oh to my gosh, oh one my of gosh. the rules, one of the two rules you were given, never take off your necklace. Yet here we are. See that I, I don't. The reason why Amelia took off her amulet was because she wanted to ask her known about it. She's like, what is this, mm-hmm. right? Because Greed had mentioned like something about it, like kind of have, like. There's been hints that it's the necklaces are the horns of hell, horns of Hades. Sorry, basically, right? Yeah. And so she's kind of like. Pe- I, Either Greed tells her that or she's piecing it together kind of thing. And so she takes it off yep. to show her. And I'm like, a necklace is hanging around your neck. <laughs> you can easily just grab it and be like, oh, what's this? Well, it's still around your neck. <laughs> like, what? why did she have to take it off? Like, literally, that, like you said, that's one of the rules. Never take off your necklace. Yeah. And so she just takes it off. Yeah. There was no resin. There was no. You could even describe it in an overly complicated way if you wanted to. You can be like the chain that sits upon my throat, which bears the pendant of a cornicello, doomed to end the world. That lays on my collarbones, is something else. But then she takes it off. She leaves it on the counter. Yeah. She doesn't even hand it to Nona. No! So basically, she's Nona starts t- talking to her about the Horns of Hades, about Australia, and how they're known as star witches. And then, like, all of a sudden, Nona's wine glass slips from her hand, and a floating blade comes and just... Shears through her throat. Shears through her throat. And then, you know, Amelia's, like, freaking out, like... Dude, my nose is gonna die because her throat was slit. A th- I mean, if it was anything else, like even a stab to the chest, I'd maybe be more inclined to be like, well, maybe because you, you can miss. Yeah, you can miss, or you know, like there's a lot of things that could happen, but a throat just feels pretty set to fatal. Me. Yeah. I mean, and now after the story, now I'm gonna kind of question the validity of throat slitting. I'm gonna be like, is that the most effective way? Because <laughs> apparently, it's not. <laughs> And then after, she, you know, and Leo's, like, trying to, like, stop the blood flow and everything. And at which at which point I'm like, magic! If only we could use something <laughs> mystical to maybe something supernatural <laughs> to help the situation. And I think it's, like, at this point where she's, like, she should have paid more attention to her magic lessons. I'm like, this is the moment. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yes, like, you know, your beloved grandmother's throat slit. And she's she's dying. Out. Which I get, but also, like, I feel like she should realize that earlier. But I feel like Nona getting dead, <laughs> that would be an instant trigger for the necklace, you know, the cornicello. That's what the demon is here for. But she doesn't think of that. And since she took it off and left it on the counter, True. when she goes and looks for it again, it's gone. It is gone. Her cornicello's been stolen because she was not a smart cookie. Again, it's just one of those instances where taking the necklace off was not necessary. If there was a reason, like, Nona can only read the prophecy if she holds the necklace in her hand. Or something like that. Like, a reason to take it off. There's no reason. Her whole life she's been warned not to do this. The last time she did something like this, there was a hellhound howling. You know, it was foreboding. So... Her past experiences should be enough of a warning to not take the necklace off. And Nona should even probably be like, hey, don't take the necklace off. I know to what you are referring. Hmm. 
But no. The necklace is taken. No. So, after the attack on Nona, Wrath and Amelia kind of have to make a game plan. Things are a little bit more urgent now. There's more of a threat. So they have to decide what to do. Right. And then the whole... And then they, and then they set up the plan with getting a proposal to a potential new bride. Um, and then it's... They find the messenger who's been leaking the information and they try to intimidate him. Wrath does in his wrathful ways. Ugh. The only time we see him truly be his sin. Or try. Or just like... I feel like, like we saw the it surface. Was, it was slight. We saw we only saw the surface. There there could have been more. Yeah. I feel like the threats were mostly empty. He was just trying to scare him. Like, I'll Into. rip your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> Into getting the information he needed. And Amelia loses her patience and uses the truth. Magic on him, which erases his memory. Yes. And she should not have done. <laughs> no. She should not have. Because she took his freedom of choice. She took away his memory, one. And it's just like, that's why, like, the demons don't like witches, you know? Because even if they're, like, cruel, like, they don't exert... Well, they kind of do, though. Well, the demons, though, have cordial guidelines. They have standards. Like, they may try to trick you and condemn you to hell, but they're going to do it politely. They're going to do it with rules. Yes. Witches are not regulated. No. In the same way. Witches don't exactly have someone to answer to. Their will is their power, and you can't control their will. No, so it's, it's kind of like the thing with greed and the the viper demon. You know, he wasn't able to go get it because he was a demon, and that's that, that was an interference, like, that he was not allowed to. Yeah. It's like, they have these certain rules, but witches don't. So for her to do that, it's just Ross remembering, oh, wait, you're a witch, I don't like you. <laughs> this is why I don't like you. And that kind of thing. So I think it was a pretty good scene. One, for us to see her use magic. Yeah. To see Wrath and just to kind of like submit. I liked that scene. Mm-hmm. I think it evolved the characters a little bit more past what we've already seen. Mm-hmm. We see Amelia kind of tap, tap into that darker magic. We see what she's willing to do when she's desperate. And then we do see Wrath when he's a little angrier. Which I like how Wrath's like, Amelia, that was not the right thing to do. I was going to beat the crap out of him, but that was not the right thing to do. How dare you? Like, Which is suck. <laughs> I would have beat him, but you, like, manipulated him. You forced him to tell the truth in a passive, non-aggressive way. <laughs> God. How dare you? Who do you think you are, witch? <laughs> Um, afterwards, we meet Anir, who kind of doesn't have a whole part in the plot as well. He's, he's kind of like Wrath's lackey. He is, he's Wrath's lackey in, in the human world. Um, and that's, and we discover that, you know, he was, I think, a slave? I believe so. And Wrath saved him. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, like, get his backstory, but... Other than this, like, one scene with Anir, we don't really see him a lot. It's kind of like, he's kind of, like, placed there to to reveal the marriage bond. Yeah. He may have placement in the sequel. He may have placement. I I just have a thing. There's just so many characters that were placed in this story that didn't have a pivotal Immediate part. impact? Yes. 
in the in the plot where I was just like, why are they introduced then if they're only a small? Like I get, I get introducing them for like build up and everything, but I didn't feel that either. The hardest part for me with Anir was that he was introduced and that was fine, but suddenly. You know, he just met Amelia, and then he's going to profess his entire life story. And his entire life story is kind of discussed in, like, three paragraphs. Which is odd, because typically in books with characters, it's kind of a process to learn someone's past. And Aeneas is really sad and really tragic and, you know, raw and brutal. And so for him to just so easily kind of disclose that, I felt was a little unnatural. It also could have, like, added to, um, like, the mysterious aspect of why is he bound to wrath? Yeah. You know? Like, or to have him, like, have, be more in the story just, like, to help. Like, why wasn't he introduced earlier if he's Wrath's yeah. lackey? True. You know? Like, I feel like he could have had a bigger part, but he just didn't. It's True. just It was just, like, he was there to give information. Yeah. Which I feel like it could he could have been cool. Like, what, the princes of hell have human lackeys? Is that, like... A reason why they are able to come here or like like the, the the possibilities yeah i felt like anir either should have been given more time in the story or maybe just should have been saved for the sequel yeah because he wasn't in it enough to have done something with the plot but he also wasn't in it not enough to not be mentioned yeah and you know you need like special permission and access to unlock my backstory that's on you know <laughs> floor eight of the building and your pass only gets you to the basement you're sub zero right now <laughs> hun. okay um but it does let that the marriage bond is there and then she's like what why didn't you tell me and he's like I mean, really, like, out of all the information to withhold, right? <laughs> he tells her so much crap, but he's like yeah, I'm just not going to mention our marriage bond. I, if I was Wrath, I would I would mention the marriage bond because that would likely, like, the other person would want to break the bond. Yeah. <laughs> if it's possible. Or it could be, be led to, like, hey, we're bonded already. We might as well help each other. Yeah. We're married, yo. Or like, Let's like, have a great honeymoon <laughs> hunting killers. <laughs> kind of like a reluctant partnership kind of thing yeah you know reluctant uh fiancés <laughs> yeah like kind of like a fake dating trope like, yeah very similar oh yeah see enemies to lover journey could have been there <laughs> and then you know she gets upset and everything and then but like it's so funny because she gets upset but not enough to like walk away from him because then they like she like goes and gets food at a restaurant yeah and like rat just like pops up and she's like okay with it it's kind of like when you say goodbye to someone and you expect that you'll part ways but then you actually your car is in the same direction <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh well kiss we'll keep talking and then he's just like talking to her about like the dangers and stuff about like these demons and everything and he just happens to mention this one specifically right that and this demon, like, shows up at this restaurant. Yeah, the Aper demon. The Aper demon. Aper demon? Possibly Aper. Aper, Aper. Demon? Demon. <laughs> <laughs> um, in which she's kind of, like, running for her life. Which I felt like Wrath could have stepped in 
A little, a little bit more. I mean, he saved her from the Viper Demon. And he was just like, yeah, I just wanted to see what you would do. Yeah, which, a little rude. Like, you're going to make me run across the entirety of Italy just to then be like, not impressive. Yeah, I feel like those two things were, like, the two scenes were switched with the Viper and, like, with the eight, with the two demons. Yeah. It should have been him being like, no, I want to see what you can do, witch. Kind of thing. And then him, like, going, no, I have to save her because of, like. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. It would make more sense because it is kind of apathetic. And and with the Viper, he was super concerned Mm -hmm. about, I mean, he sacrificed, he paid a price. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is odd for him to pay a price. And now he's like, you know what? Fend for yourself. I enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I am a VIP. You are squeaking. Like, he's basically just like. I want to see what you can do, because you can't do much, which, is he, is that, is that fair? Kind of. He's like, there seems to be a disposition of power here where I do everything and you don't do shit. Oh, but I mean, also, sorry, real quick. The fact that, like, you know, Valentina Rossi, the, 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 the person they're kind of used as bait, as, like, the prospective bride, like, she knew her. Yeah. And, like, she died. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it was just like, oh, like, what are we going to do? Like, we don't know a lot and everything. I feel like she wasn't as distraught as she should have been. Yeah. Like, Amelia was just like, oh, marriage bond. Oh, having dinner at this restaurant <laughs> all of a sudden. I was just like. It was like, weird to go from death to dinner. Yeah. Death is not a great appetizer. No. Dinner is a great course, though. Oh, my gosh. It sounds delicious. The food. The food, yeah. Oh, I read it accidentally and I wanted pasta so bad. (laughs) Do I get pasta? It's 11. I don't think any pasta places are open. So after the Aper Demon attack, Mm -hmm. Emilia and Rath briefly stumble upon the, the building marked with the paw and fennel symbol. Yes. They go, oh, this is interesting, but it's kind of more, that building is mentioned at that point to be called back upon later. Yes. So then, Amelia goes home, and she finds that her room that she once shared with Vittoria has been burglarized. Everything that Vittoria owned is gone, including her diary, which her diary has kind of been a key piece of information for Amelia in terms of... Spell works and grimoires and knowing what led up to the days before her death. Mm -hmm. And obviously seeing your home robbed freaks Amelia out. So she goes to her friend Claudia, who dabbles a bit in the dark arts. Yes, she's a witch herself. True. And she asks Claudia for a protection spell to be placed upon her home that wards off against demons similar to the one that has been stalking Amelia this whole time. This kind of like invisible wisp of a demon. Then Amelia returns to Rath's palace. And I like how she calls it his stolen palace because that's kind of funny. (laughs) It absolutely is a stolen palace. It's just such a Rath thing to do. He's like, I have a kingdom in hell, but I clearly don't have one on earth. So I'm just going to take a palace for myself. (laughs) I would do the same. Yeah. And while Wrath goes to interact with the newly chosen, the next expected bride for Pride, mm-hmm. 
Emilia goes off on her own and she meets Lust on a beach at a bonfire. It's this whole scene. It's a whole scene. There's some dirty dancing going on. But like sexy. Not like the, not like the things that they do actually in dirty dancing. Yeah. Like very like hip swaying. More like thing. you're loving yourself and whoever your dance partner is. Yes. And you don't know what's going on. You're just in the fire and you're feeling it burn, baby. You're feeling nice things and you're taking your clothes off and everything is okay. <laughs> there's no worry. No. And there's no need for clothes, particularly for Wrath. Ultimately, <laughs> Wrath is like Amelia, all this passion, all this lust, everything. How did he find her? I think the mark, the marriage bond. How does he... Okay. I feel like that should be more mentioned, though. <laughs> like, he just keeps popping up everywhere. Or he somehow tracked her in some other way. But ultimately, he's like, hey, everything you're feeling right now isn't really what you're feeling. Lust is either, like, creating these feelings in you or amplifying what's already within you. So all of the dazed happiness you feel right now isn't actually yours. And we need to go home. And if you are still interested in taking clothes off, you know, maybe we do it together <laughs> <laughs> let's talk we'll talk about it at home <laughs> he's already they're already like a bickering married couple seriously <laughs> well they are kind of married they're betrothed i get enemies to lovers guys <laughs> we're it's like we're already at the lover stage and after feeling the effects of lust oh wait before oh yeah before that so what happens um with wrath and lust is that he gets really upset at him and he sends him back to hell which I think was actually might be a more pivotal scene than I think it is because I think that ties back to what's going to happen later to Wrath. Yes, it foreshadows this is what happens Yes, in this case. So there, there's also that to keep in mind. Then Wrath takes Amelia back to the palace and Amelia, going from the highs, goes into the lows. Yes, because under Lust's influence, he kind of heightens, like, the happiness and the pleasure to the point where if it's taken away, you, like, have none. Like, you're just, like, sapped out. So she's just, like, depressed and hollowed and everything. And Wrath kind of gives her her space for a little bit. And then after a while, he's like, you know what? No, we're not going to do this. We're going to get you back in the game Mm -hmm. emotionally and physically. Here's a bath. Here's a game of cards. Let's play. Let me insult you a little bit on your terrible people reading skills. <laughs> and let me teach you a little bit what it means to be a cunning demon prince of hell. Mm-hmm. And Amelia's like, okay, I will take the bath. Which, I would accept a bath. Baths are so nice. And, I mean, personally sprinkled by your intended with flowers and herbs and different bath spices. Also, the bathtub itself sounded glorious. Yeah. Also, kind of a tender moment for Wrath, the fact that he'd even consider doing that. It seemed, again, it's just, I, I, don't, I don't, it's it's a sweet moment, but I don't feel like Wrath. Like, I mean, we can get to this point eventually, it's just too soon. Yes, I agree. I love the moment, but in the moment, I'm not raving about it. Like, I'm not... You know when you get really excited about a romance and, like, you're reading so fast and you're clutching the book and, like, there's there's so much emotion in you and, you know, I didn't quite have that. Yeah. So I'm curious if in the sequel, if maybe there'll be a little bit more kinetic energy. Mm. I just, 
it's not static when I'm thinking of, but just maybe kinetic is the word, but just something kinetic where it's like, this is alive and moving. This relationship is active. It's buzzing. Yes. And then Wrath leaves again. And Amelia meets up with Claudia. And Claudia's kind of acting a little loco crazy. Kind of like her aunt. Yes. And she's kind of saying a bunch of things about shadows and like kind of the Bones, inevitability. Blood. Yeah. Something about Dominico. Yeah. Which I'm like, not really uplifting. Imagine <laughs> if I came over to your house and I was like, demons, blood, shadows, he's coming for you. You're doomed. Run. I'd be like, you need a Snickers, bro. <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> See, the thing with Claudia, too, though, is that she's just, again, she's just mentioned in, like, the first half and then we meet her and it's kind of like, okay. And then she, like, kind of plays a part, but I kind of forgot about her as well. She's kind of like the dark arts specialist. Like she's For Amelia, yes. Yeah. I kind of consider Claudia, in terms of character, as more of a tool than a character. Yes. In the sense that her role is more so to provide things mm-hmm. than, to, than to be. I feel like that's a lot of the characters. I just wish that... Well, it's just, it's fine to have a character with that, but I think they either need to be mentioned, like, it depends on how you balance them in the story. Mm-hmm. Because Claudia was mentioned so frequently that I thought she was maybe going to play a bigger role. But maybe it was, again, like, a setup for the next book because, True. you know, her aunt went crazy trying to see, and so, like, maybe something happened to her similar, like, it's her aunt the, relation and everything so maybe it's just a setup but for right now what we know it's just not quite there yeah in the book because even though i i guess you could say amelia and claudia are friends it's not like they're best friends it's not like they confide in each other it's not like they necessarily grew up together they're not but didn't they well i thought claudia though was a part of one of the other witch families and that they tend to kind of stay apart well yeah but i from what I understood, like, Claudia was, like, Amelia's best friend that wasn't Victoria. Oh. Oh. I must have missed that. I thought Claudia was more so, like... But she didn't talk to her. more on, like, an acquaintance level. Yeah, but they didn't talk because, you know, the witches' families couldn't yeah. talk to each oh, other. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it was honestly a little bit confusing just because, like, she was mentioned a lot and then brought in and then didn't do a lot, so... I think if... If Claudia is meant to be a, a French a friend to Amelia, that she needed to probably be in the story more, yeah, or at least be someone that Amelia could confide in, because their relationship is super just back and forth about dark magic and eating like stuff. grimoire and yeah, yeah, all that more so than a friendship, which is more personal and talking mm-hmm. and of course stuff like that. But yeah, um, she she's Claudia is one in front of the monastery. Yes. And that's when she's kind of like saying things like shadows, bones, run, <laughs> blood, and everything. And Brother Carmen comes out and he's like, what's up with her? She's, she's a little sus. <laughs> Witch. <laughs> and then Antonio comes out. He, he Antonio comes into play. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, I'll take her home. Right? And I'm like, Antonio, sus as well. <laughs> Eject him. <laughs> um, in which case... I mean, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, like, it's Antonio, like, she'll be safe with, 
uh, with Claudia and everything, everything will be fine. Yeah. Then Amelia encounters Envy's vampire. And Alexi is basically like, Envy's at your house. Probably trying to threaten your family. Like, he wants something. He wants an audience. You best go now. Yeah. <laughs> Which, not gonna lie, Alexi threw me off guard. Yeah. A little bit. Being a vampire. Because in this world, up until this moment, the only terms of, like, the only other beings we've heard of are witches, demons, and shapeshifters. And then, all of a sudden, I I, I didn't mean think that there were vampires in this world. And then all of a sudden, Alexi appears and he's a vampire. I think what threw me off is, I feel like there are different aesthetics with witches. Like, you can be like, oh, it's like, like kind of like Salem witch kind of thing, where it's like, oh, the church hates you and they're going to burn you and all that thing. It's with like demons, hell kind of thing. And then there's like the other aesthetic of witches of like vampires, werewolves, supernatural beings and everything. So it's kind of like a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Even though, for the most part in this book, it's mostly just been, like, the other one with, like, hell and church and burning of witches kind of aesthetic. And then she, it's like, the combination just made it weird, you know? I think for me, it was the fact that, at least from what I can recall, previous to this moment, there had been no, nothing of vampires ever mentioned. No. Like, not even, like, a, like, a report of someone being, being, uh drained of blood or something and so it really like the idea of vampires in this world really kind of came out of nowhere for me so I didn't really know how to process it yeah and then and then he was gone like he was just there to basically say envy is roughing up your family peace out it was such a weird thing because it's like why couldn't just been like a human lackey like yeah you know it's like we were introduced to a completely new supernatural element and he's only there for a scene (laughs) taken away yeah and so, with Alexi, I either would have, like you said, preferred him to be a human lackey, or maybe just have mention of a vampire before then. Because I literally had no idea. I was yeah. like, there's vampires in this world? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. But then, you know, Amelia goes home, and she sees Envy. She's like, what do you want? And he's like, you know, you haven't really been listening to me, and I don't appreciate that. Um, and he's basically like, I'm holding your family hostage. Shows, you know, her no-no with her throat slit. Yeah. Because that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to get the horns of Hades within 24 hours or I will harm your family. And he also kind of plants a seed of doubt in Amelia, basically saying, hey, you think Wrath is this big, hot, really sexy guy who's great. And trustworthy. And trustworthy. He's not. Mm-hmm. He is in debt, in spiritual debt, and he needs a final soul to release him, to set him free. And this is kind of the first time we've ever heard about this. I think we've always kind of known that, like, Wrath was hiding something. We just didn't quite know what. Yes. And Amelia, at first, is like, what? A soul? Like, she doesn't necessarily doubt that Wrath has other motivations, but she doubts that he would use a soul to get what he wants. Based on the fact that with the messenger he threatened earlier, he was willing to let the messenger go and live a life rather than condemn him back to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Amelia is like, I'm gonna 
confront wrath in an interesting way. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a way that works, kind of. Did it? She goes to Wrath's stolen palace, and she gives him the good old smoocheruki. She kind of like seduces him first. She like like touches his chest and is like, "Let me in," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, okay. Well, I always okay. It's stories. I always feel bad when seduction is false. Yeah. Like when a character seduces someone. And the one character thinks it's real and the other one's just kind of wanting to get an answer. It always makes me feel bad because I just think it's kind of a pain... I just think it's painful and hurtful. Especially if the the person that they're seducing, like, actually feels something real for them. Yeah. It's like a whole Twilight thing again, you know, with Bella and Jacob and her just trying to get information out of him. And because then in Wrath's mind, it's like, you know, when it's revealed that you know, the purpose of this kiss is mainly to get an answer out of him, then it kind of creates a rift of distrust for me. Because if I was Wrath, I would know, I would think I could never trust Amelia again because she would use herself as a way to get things out of me. And then as Amelia, you by being a seductress, she is further cementing within herself the fact that she doesn't think Wrath has real feelings for her. Yeah. Like, it kind of creates a divide that, for me, after it happens, is kind of hard to cross, hard to reconnect, to restitch. Because no matter what, I feel like there's always going to be that little bit of doubt of, is what this person feeling ever really real? And maybe that's the purpose, in this book at least, because Wrath is a demon of hell. But, I don't know, fake seduction always kind of hurts my heart. (laughs) I'm bugged that it was their first kiss. Oh, yeah. Well, technically they're second. Well, I mean, the first did the... Okay, technically. Te- but, she, I mean, she didn't really... This was the first one where she was <laughs> conscious for it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't part of it. It was an intention. It was an intentional one. Yes. I, but, I mean, like, their, their record isn't great. Like, the first one was just used to save her. Yeah. The second one was for her to seduce him to, into getting information in which he's like, Oh, I thought you'd never kiss someone you hate. But also, by seducing him, Amelia must believe that she has enough influence over him that seducing him would even work. Yeah! So, therefore, some part of her believes that Wrath cares for her. Oh, yeah. When I think she even admits that herself, but she doesn't, like, trust him because he's a demon prince. You know, I feel like Amelia has, like, a lot of conflicts within her. That are complete, like, opposites and doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, she she goes back and forth a lot. And I'm like, that's understandable to some degree, but it happens throughout the entire book. You gotta commit at some point. Yeah. You can't be wishy-washy as a protagonist. Like, either trust the Prince of Hell and get betrayed, or never trust him at all. Yeah. Go big or go home. Go big or go home. Preferably go home with Wrath. <laughs> But basically, she, like, she confronts him about, you know, the final soul and everything. And he's like, well, I never told, like, I didn't lie to you. I just never told you. (laughs) She's like, that's a lie of omission. I'm like, girl, how many times have you lied to Wrath since, like, you met him? Like, this doesn't feel fair. Like, you're getting, like, very upset about this, even though you've basically done the same thing. Let's just admit you both have lied and kept things from each other. That's the whole point. Let's be fair. That's your dynamic. You're a witch. He's a demon. 
there's, you know, there's been some deceit unsaid and said. She's, yeah, but she's unreasonably upset. You just, I, I feel like, you know, okay, maybe it's more human that she doesn't realize within herself that it's a bit ironic that she's getting mad about him lying when she's lied to him. So it could be, you know, said that that's a human aspect, but it's hard as a reader sometimes to, to feel that way because, I don't know, I think we always want characters to be aware of themselves. And so when they're not, we're always like, but you're kind of doing the same thing. Kind of it bugs me. Yeah, that I can't. I can't do that. The characters like that annoy the heck out of me. I was just like, just like that. Yeah, exactly like that. It's an, it's annoying as hell. And then she just runs away. Yeah, she's like, peace. I kissed you. Things got awkward. We both lied to each other. I'm very upset at you for lying to me. I don't trust you anymore. I'm doing this on my own. Which it actually, like you said, she's mad at him because he lied but then she just kissed him to kind of lie to him yeah oh i feel really i don't like false kisses <laughs> terrible Wrath, i'll kiss you in which case she goes back to her house right yes and sees envy again yes but does at this point does she have both cornichellas i believe so and it's at this point that nona hits Envy with that superpower witch spell. Which, in this case, I'm like, how, if, okay, if no one can do that, why the heck can't Amelia? True. But also, like, what stops a witch from ever doing this? If I ever saw a Prince of Helena as a witch, I'd be like, you're gone. Also, the fact that no one, I feel like it's, it's implied throughout the book that Nona specifically has some kind of tie to the wicked. Because oh. she seems to, and at least from what I got, she seems to know a little bit more. Especially since in, like, in the beginning of every chapter, there's, like, a, an excerpt from the grimoire of the DiCarlos. And just based on that as well, it's just, like, the information that they have. It's, like, never trust these four princes. Like, why specifically those four mm. princes? Why this? So I think, I think it's implied that Nona specifically has something to do with the Wicked. Um, which might be why she was able to banish envy the way she did i suppose my question is what keeps a witch from banishing a prince of hell at any point like do they have to cast the spell at a certain time do they have to be at full strength i mean what are the conditions for what you can cast and what you can't cast yeah like seriously why is no one able to do this and why wasn't amelia able to do it at any point in time and also wouldn't this be a spell that you like the first spell you teach to a witch Especially since they're, like, the the bad guys that, you know, the... the... <sighs> well, especially since the princes of hell are so integrated into the prophecy. They're so integrated into the prophecy. And they're t- they're, they were, the like, the, the monsters from the bedtime stories, you know? Yeah. You typically tell them, like, hey, this is how you defeat them. Because, yeah. you know, you're literally wearing the horns <laughs> of hell. So, so I don't know if it were... If there was any specific reason why Nona was able to cast this now. Like, I don't know exactly what fueled this spell. If a spell like this needs to be fueled. Also, she couldn't talk. Her throat was slit. Again, she, throat I'm sorry. She I'm healed, but her throat times. was slit. I'm saying this a million times, but I, I, I can't get, I can't <laughs> wrap my head around it. Yeah, but basically, 
Envy is banished. Amelia is like, what is happening? And then Nona kind of tells her about the prophecy. About twin witches. Twitches. Twitches. And Amelia confesses to her Nona that she has been working with the Prince of Hell and that the mark on her arm belongs to him. Which kind of is prophesied. Yeah. <laughs> Nona's like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, one died. One's already tied to a demon. Nona, you could have done better. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. She could have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's like, oh, you did that? And I'm like, well, she wasn't exactly warned against it. She didn't know anything about this prophecy. And yeah, I get that she's been doing things on her own, but perhaps if she had been given more knowledge, she would have been maybe more deterred and or cautious. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Nona could have done better. <laughs> um, but after that, Nona's basically like, you have to go hide, right? We'll try our best to stop the horns. From opening the gates yes. of hell, from the princes, from wrecking havoc. You mm-hmm. lay low. You go on the DL. Does she, though? Well, she goes back to the place previously mentioned. The, the fennel, with the, the, the paw with the fennel stalk. Yes. She goes in there. She finds, Amelia finds a little secret passage. She goes down. But how did she find the secret passage? I thought she kind of felt it out. Psychic, uh, okay, but how did, okay, but why can she use that now and she couldn't use it before? Well, she kind of has used it before. Like, she's had feelings like, oh, I need to go here or I need to go here. Or this this is important. Okay, okay. She, Amelia ultimately finds her way uh, down into kind of like a tunnel slash cave system where Raph ultimately finds her and is like, Raph's like, what are you doing down here? Why are you being an idiot? You gotta get out of here. Let's make a quick deal. I'll help you escape here. Like, I'll transport you away and everything will be a-okay. Because you're surrounded by demons because you have both horns. Yes. But Amelia's like, no, I don't know if I can trust you. Like, she takes a really long time to make a decision. A yes or no decision whether or not to be transported away from harm. Which, in that case, I I feel like if it was like, Taylor, a killer's coming at you. Would you like to be magically transported away or not? I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not gonna, you know, even if I didn't trust the person, sometimes you have to consider what's the most dangerous thing at the moment. True. Is it more dangerous that there's demons coming, like 40 demons coming at you right now? Or is it more dangerous to trust wrath? Like, what's the greater evil here? True. And ultimately, her indecision places both her and wrath now at danger. In danger, sorry. And Envy makes his grand entrance into the scene. And he's like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But you didn't see, expect to see me. Your great can only banish me for so long. I'm a prince of hell. True. She, and then he's kind of like, you don't know the true way to banish a, a prince of hell. To hell. <laughs> <laughs> and Amelia was like, well, yeah, no one tells me anything. <laughs> and instead of like bartering, like, hey, if you give me the horns, I won't kill Wrath or da 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 da. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to straight up kill this guy. I hate Wrath. There goes his groin. You know? <laughs> He literally, like, cuts him open and all of his guts spoil out. Yeah. Quite gruesome. Wrath <laughs> didn't deserve that. <laughs> Honestly, there's some, like, clearly there's some riff between those two. Yes. That runs deep. Yeah. It's personal. 
Envy is question envy mark? is <laughs> Envy is envious of wrath question mark? What? He stabbed his groin question mark. <laughs> and Amelia is like, no, no, wrath. No. Which okay. Brutal. That's like being thrown into family drama as like an in-law that you weren't prepared for. Except this one's just a lot more bloody. But also, is the she real in-law? housewives of hell? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was basically just like, "No, I don't trust you anymore." And then he kind of like almost dies in front of her. And then she's like, "What? No, my feelings, Roth. I kind of trust you now." <laughs> But ba- yeah, so basically, she's kind of like, is he dead? Is he not? She's like, he's a prince of hell. He can't. Yes. According to the lore, Wrath should technically have been sent back to hell. So even though he was split open, his destination isn't a coffin. It's back at his cozy palace in the hottest place on earth. Or so, I guess it's not on earth. Or doing, or is that what happens? Because he's like, she's like, will he live? And then Envy's like, you better pray to your goddess that he doesn't. Actually, when Envy said that, I was like, okay, Envy, you have some pretty badass lines. <laughs> Even Loki does. <laughs> like, the amount of jealousy and scathingness in his dialogue, I'm like, is this guy okay? <laughs> he's got a few debts to settle here. And he's going yeah. to settle them. But then, um, Emilia's just kind of like, no, this is not happening. And so she then takes the two horns. And she, like, kind of puts them together in, like, a power, like, surges. And then he's like, you're making a terrible mistake. And then he goes and leaves. And then Amelia goes back to the monastery. And she discovers who physically killed her sister. Yes. Antonio. Dun, dun, dun. It was a priest. It was a priest. (laughs) Are we really not surprised? Priests? I mean... They are always the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Frollo. Frollo. <laughs> um, I can't think of any other pop culture references with the face of the bad guy. But Frollo. <laughs> what really made me think that Antonio was the killer was just that he kept popping up. I was like, you know, this guy is past, this guy is obviously becoming more to the story than just a fantasy for Amelia. Yes. He keeps being mentioned, and that's sus. And the sus was proven correct. For Antonio is like, I hate y'all witches. Yeah. Witches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... Sorry, backtrack. Just a tiny bit. Um, so... The reason she goes to the monastery is because she finds, um... Domenico Nucci Sr. in the place because she gets food from him. The marketplace? Yes. Um, and she sees the the paw with the fennel stalk. And she's like, that's where I've seen that sign. And then she figures out that the Nucci's are shapeshifters. And that Domenico Sr. made a bargain with greed to save his son. Because he wasn't supposed to transform, but he did. I think. Something along those lines. Yes. Um... And so she's like, well, where's Dominico now? Because, like, that's that's a part of the puzzle that she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's at the monastery, which is why she goes. And then she finds Antonio, and the whole thing unravels. And 
Antonio gives his perspective. He's like, my mother was killed by a witch. I wanted revenge. An angel came to me. Which I'm like, okay. <sighs> if an angel comes to you and asks you to kill people, probably not an angel. angel? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, gruesomely murder people. Like, you're supposed to be a man of God. Yeah. Don't you know the difference? Like, if ever... so Yeah, like... Instant sus. If an angel was like, go kill someone, I'd be like, that's kind of against your theme. But okay. But, <laughs> yeah, that's literally <laughs> I told you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and with Antonio mentioning this angel that told him to kill these people, it opens up the mystery of, yes, even though we figured out the person who physically killed Vittoria, there's someone who influenced Antonio to do this. There's this angel and we need to figure out who this is. So I'm assuming that mystery will carry on into the next story. Into the sequel. Yes. Is it envy? Question mark. Is it greed? Question mark. We don't know. Or is it something else entirely? Is I it a different prov- brother? It could be a different brother. Um, or is it something else entirely? To make a demon... Sorry, to make a priest think it is an angel. Angel of death. <laughs> <laughs> um, but based, and then Amelia just kind of like gets really upset at him. You know, she understandably. Yeah. Antonio killed her sister. Yeah. Also, just a note. She also finds the Prima's grimoire there, from where like Victoria like hit it, hit it, and everything, which is kind of like how she leads to it, which probably is important for the sequel. We don't know yet. Um, <laughs> but basically she gets really upset and then like Antonio's like, have mercy, have mercy. And Victoria's, and Amelia's like, did you have mercy for Victoria when you cut her heart from her chest? And then Antonio's like, hey, 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 listen, listen, I know you're mad. You know, you've <laughs> kind of struck at me with magic a few times. Okay. But listen, <laughs> I want you to summon the devil and I want you to kill him. I'm like, Antonio, you're asking a lot here. <laughs> you killed her sister, and now you're like, now I want you to kill the devil? I, uh, he's, well, he's he doesn't really law. ask. He just kind of tells her that he's, she's going to do that. <laughs> I'm not even going to give you the option. I'm going to tell you. But Amelia kind of crafts up a plan. Yes. And when the devil slash pride possesses Antonio's body, Amelia's like, hey, you want to get married? I want to get married. Let's do this thing. Let's do, like, kind of a hell version of getting married in Vegas. <laughs> Meet me at the cave. <laughs> Meet me at the cave, yeah. Meet me at the cave where I first summoned wrath. And the devil's like, okay. <laughs> Devil slash pride, same person. Don't know yet. Still question. Which, I mean, doesn't the devil know he sounds a little desperate? I, I mean, I feel like he, he's, he's the sin of pride. Right? So yes. it's it's not easy for him to be desperate. Yeah. So there has to be something that he really, really wants hmm. in order to be that desperate. Or at least that's what I'm getting from it. Or maybe he's just lonely. That too. He's like, I've been occupying the one seat of hell for a really long time with really love company. I love long walks on the brimstone beach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the devil has a bit to offer. A crown. Purgatory. Bathtub. Bathtubs, likely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. And then she goes to the cave. Yep. She sees Wrath again. 
But he's different. He's different. He seems much more wrathful. He seems much more fitting for a demon of hell. Now, I will say this. And I don't know. I don't know. But this was the sensation I got. When Wrath was in the cave with Amelia, mm-hmm. he was acting so different in such a way that made me think that being killed and sent back to hell kind of either, like, erased his memory or took his soul or did something, something like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. Because the way he was acting, I was like, even if he was mad, he he's behaving like in a way where it's like he's never met Amelia at all. Mm-hmm. That they haven't had a relationship. I'm I'm guessing it's probably a soul-related thing. He probably lost his soul. And that's why Envy was like, you don't want him to come back. <laughs> because a soulless wrath, Ooh. wrath without meaning, that's yeah. chaotic. But also low-key hot. Low-key. Low-key, mid-key, and high-key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's just kind of like, ooh, wrath, no. And she's, you know, you get that sense like he's not himself. Yeah. So Rath's like, I'll be the witness to you and the devil. I will oversee this. I will be the awkward third person in the room. Are you going to join with House Pride? I have a nifty little contract here. Sign it. I don't know if you have to date it. Just sign it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Amelia does. And the two of them whisk off into hell. And that's the end of the book. And that's the end of the book. Also, this just came to me, but was did you think that there was an implication that Wrath had loved a before. witch before? I mean, he had such a distaste for witches, according to Anir. I think he's been betrayed by a witch before. Whether or not that has to deal with love, I'm not sure. But I think I'm pretty a sure witch will. made him mad. Yes. Yes. So, like, there's also that. Just, yeah. Just, just keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. For the sequel. But, like, overall, even though I said a lot of things I didn't like about the book, there are aspects that I did like. I did like the story. I just thought that the um, sequence of events should have been ordered in a different way. Like, it's like what I said in the recommendation. The pieces were all there, but it's just a matter of where they went. And I don't think they went in the right order. So, like, this book has... It, it built a new world and it was original and there were characters that were kind of interesting but maybe weren't completely fleshed out the way we wanted to be but like there was potential there and that's why I'm probably going to read the sequel. <laughs> I I will read I have the sequel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on my house too. <laughs> but you know I can certainly understand why it may seem like for the last little bit we've been talking negatively about the book. Whenever okay this is the thing, though. Kami and I have talked about this book for four hours. <laughs> you guys will get an edited version, but it's been four hours for us. And Kami and I only talk for this long about something when we're passionate about it. And I think the best thing that a reader can do for a book is be passionate about it. True. And so, <clears throat> if at all it seems like we were negative, I think it's just because we wanted someone... We wanted a lot from this world. We were super excited about this book and we we wanted to be swept away. And I think in a sense we were, but anything maybe we picked at, I think are more so like smaller details that we would have wished 
maybe would have like given us a little bit more insight on the characters or on the plot. Yeah, Carrie Maniscalco did a good job in like making a world that I wanted to be swept up in, that I wanted to know more about and see this. Like, so it does like captivate you, but maybe just, and that's what it's supposed to do. That's what, and it did. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I feel like, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people who read likely do not think as deeply as we do. Yeah, like, we are people who scrutinize everything. That's probably why (laughs) most people wouldn't like us. (laughs) But we, you know, in our minds, we have a certain way how we read stories. And we are nitpickers a little bit. 100%. And this book had a lot of elements that I felt like I really wanted explored. Mm-hmm. I think that was just the main thing. I just wanted a lot of things explored. And I was open to the world and, you know, the stories kept with me. I remember the names. I remember, you know, the overall plot and such. I just wish that maybe I felt a little bit more... Because it wasn't necessarily the world and the story that I didn't feel immersed in. It was more so, like, characters. I think if the characters Mm. were maybe enriched in my mind a little bit more, that then I would really be like, Woo! We're in this. We're going to hell! (laughs) I think the one thing that could have been fixed for me is just the way the exposition was given. That That was a big one for me. But, I mean, as much as, like, of course I did have elements that I didn't like about the book. But I liked it enough and I'm invested enough that I will read the sequel. Yes. Which says something about it as well. Yes. Because you don't read the sequel in the book you don't like. Yeah. I gotta know if Wrath's gonna be shirtless again. <laughs> it's a necessity. Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. We hope that you'll join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers. Bloop. If you had to pledge yourself to one house. Wrath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fast, just make sure it's getting in my voice. Sometimes I think I can be a peat boxer and then I'm reminded by harsh reality that I can't. In the middle of the night, you're just like... Pff. Or I just do the boots and cats. Boots and cats. Boots and cats. And then I'm like, I can beatbox. (laughs) For me, I'm always like. (laughs) 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 Hell. Demons. The downstairs Bateman. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak through this. Did we peek in high school? No, we're way funnier now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fine, sure, something plot. intimidating. <laughs>
That was rude. I omit that. <laughs> well, Anir said, that's because the wrath cut him off. Time to go. Wrath is like, hey, snitch! Shut the hell up! I mean, and what do I pay you to do here? Tell all my secrets? Wow! <laughs> yeah, he basically, like, Anir just, like, comes in and Wrath just dismisses him. Thanks. Taylor Single have been for my entire life. Oh. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that until now. It's okay. I've been single my whole life. We're single together. We're single together. I just didn't realize. I've never put it into perspective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just had a small epiphany, didn't you? Yeah, I was actually really sad. I'm sorry. It's okay. I watched in silent horror as Envy's dagger sank deep into Rat's groin. And he dragged it across his body, opening him from hip to hip. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. So he went like this, and I'm assuming he went... Oh, what the fuck? Envy. <laughs> what the freak? Watch closely, pet this. It is groin, though? That's personal. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like, you only stab someone's dick if, like, if something happened. There's drama there. Oh, no. He literally says, watch closely, pet. This is how I treat my family. Imagine what being my enemy is like. Do you think I've forgiven you for what your grandmother did to me? We're processing. Guys, guys, it's 1218, man. Okay? It's 1218. Guys, we've been talking for four hours, okay? We're not lucid anymore. Not at all. One thing I did not like, okay? So in Dune... They have these really cool names like the Harkonnens, right? The House of Harkonnens, the House That's of Trades, things like that. Do you want to know what the main character's name is? Oh, I think I've heard it. It's like Joe or no, something. No, it's Paul. Paul. <laughs> his mom's name? Okay, her. His mom is part of the Bene Gerstrat. Yeah. You know, her name's Jessica. <laughs> oh my gosh, why? And also, like his trainer, like Jason Momoa's character, his name is Duncan Idaho, like the state. <laughs> Duncan. Idaho, mm-hmm. Paul, and Jessica. But you can't have like <laughs> half- Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> you can't have like half fantasy names and then half not. Like it John is even better out. than Paul. For yeah, me. I hate Paul so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hate that. I mean Duncan Idaho. <laughs> like you just have to know, like, because with some things like. Maybe back when the book was written, like, the 70s, maybe Jessica wasn't a popular name or something. So maybe I can rationalize that's why it was used. But Idaho was still a state. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Han Solo being named Han Hawaii. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you can't just, you can't put a state in a, in a sci-fi or a fantasy. Duncan! <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Like imagine, okay, I'm in the I'm in the battlefield with Duncan. <laughs> There's a guy coming up behind him, about to behead him. I have to shout out his name, or he won't know. He won't be aware of the threat. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna shout out Duncan. <laughs> I'm gonna let him die. <laughs> I'm not gonna be like Duncan. No, I can't. You're dead. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. <laughs> I didn't time out my breaths, man. <laughs> when I got to Carrie, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> 
Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social... <laughs> social...